Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coco Talk. We are here for episode 120. This is the Coco Controls Moog episode. We're also going to talk about some VCF West wrap-up and maybe a couple other Coco-related things. Who knows? All right, and we are here. We are live. We are better than never. Uh, we've already got a huge, huge live audience. Sheldon McDonald was here early. Tim Franklin was here. Tim Franklin says, sitting in a bunker here behind my wall, waiting for the worms to come in perfect violation. Waiting for the worms. <laughs> here behind my wall, waiting for the worms to come. Sheldon's here. Joe Burnett is here saying, I can't wait to see this. I don't think he's talking about our show. I think he's wait, He's talking about David O'Connor. He wants to see and hear David O'Connor and his Coco Real controlling tax. stuff. He wants to hear, yeah. Nobody's here for us in this crap show. They're here for David O'Connor. So uh, Sheldon is here. Qui-Gon is here. Mark Overholzer is here. Uh, Matchy is here. Mark B. Qui-Gon. Joe Burnett. Curtis Boyle is here. Nick Morota. Nick Morota. Nick Morota. Ken, Ken Make It is here in the live chat. If anybody could share this out on Facebook too, that would be appreciated. That'd be that'd be great. Yeah, if you could just Already share done. this, if you could share this on Facebook, yeah. that'd be Already great. Yeah. All right, and uh, we've got a panel. On our panel, the guy who spent more time sitting in a chair streaming this show, it's a thankless job. It is a payless job. It is a grudging job. But Mark Bosley has been hosting so much content this past weekend with VCF West. Can't thank you enough, Mark Bosley. Welcome back, and thank you so much, sir. Hello. All right. Speaking of VCF West, one of the guys who was there flying the Coco flag, Mark D. Overholzer. We give him crap for being an Apple guy, but he's a Coco guy, and he did the Coco Proud this past weekend. Um, he did. So thank you, Mark D. Overholzer. We've got from Ron's Garage, running a high-tech audio spectrum analyzer in the background back there. It is Ron Delvo. Hello. How you doing, all? 
We're doing great, Ron. It's good to have you back, sir. As seen at Hamvention, CorgsCon, at Tandy Assembly, at VCF West, East, North, and South, at Coco Fest, uh, you name it, he's been there. He is the Coco man himself, Jason Reichard. Welcome back to the program, Jason. Coco Talk, use only as directed. <laughs> the star of our show today, the reason why people are here to see the show, the, the um, lord of the modular synth himself, Mr. David O'Connor is with us. Good day, David. Good day, everybody. It's the feed uh, from yeah. the weeds. I yes. better not let anybody down now. Yeah, I'm right. All <laughs> Everything's riding on you. No pressure, David. <laughs> and a no, man. Let's be... go ahead. Sorry, David. No, I was just saying it's good to be here. It's, it's great to have you. And the man whose name is so nice, we must say it thrice. It's Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota. Hello, everybody. I'm the only natural-born Canadian here, so I'm going to nominate Jason as honorary Canadian. So I'm not all by myself. Hey, Ken's got his uh, five-dollar ukulele. Excuse me, Jason's got his five-dollar ukulele. It's yeah. plastic. Yes, it's yes. Plastic. Yeah. We also have uh, we this this game was fifty percent off last week on the free software bin at VCF West, but Nightmare Highway, <laughs> Nightmare Highway, uh, running in the background there on Jason's Coco. Um, so uh, yes, if you pay if you got it for free, you paid too much. Last weekend it was fifty percent off free, so um, you could have got two for one. Uh, we now we also have and a very very this is probably his best effort yet. But Grant Leakey is out there saying time for another boring Coco talk hosted by huge ego Stevie. All right, good job there, Grant. Good job there. You tried. We'll give you credit. At uh, least you tried. <laughs> yes. Vocal Studios here. D Bruce Moore is here. De Bruce. Hey, De Bruce. Um, and and so what a great. Uh, weekend we had last weekend with our with our coverage, which hopefully uh, Mark D. Overholzer will kind of wrap up for us. So uh, we're going to go around the room right now and just kind of get our project updates, acquisitions, stories to share. Uh, Mark Bosley, anything new and exciting with you this past week? Um, well, besides, uh, well, basically I got a new set of headphones. Okay. I the ones up last week doing the VCF West. Okay. You look like you could be in the pit crew at NASCAR now with those things. Yeah, this, this it claims a 16-hour battery, so it should last the episode. Uh, well, you, you <laughs> yeah. never know. You never yeah. know. If if we cut it in, if we cut it in half today, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, it's gonna be close. Yeah, Ben Drakes from Explore VR is here, our friend across the pond. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ken Reichard says 20% off Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway for Coco Talk viewers. Mention code Coco Talk at checkout. Uh, <laughs> Mention code Division by Zero Yes. So Mark Bosley has got some cushy new earmuffs to keep him warm in the winter as well. Uh, is, is that the is that the best thing to happen to you this past week, Mark? Yeah, well, the all last otherwise all last weekend was uh, streaming, streaming. The, uh, VCF. Yeah, yeah. They get time to do anything else. I know. Well, thank you for that, sir. Much appreciated. <laughs> thank you. You're too kind, and thank you. And speaking of which, it was Rick Adams' birthday this past week too, so we should probably well, celebrate hey, that with happy a big birthday, hey. Rick. 
Big fat thank you. You're too kind. Yes. Uh, we'll save you for last Mark D. Overholzer as far as project updates and acquisitions because you're going to wrap up VCF West with us. Mar- uh, Ron yes. Delvo, how yes. have you been, sir? Uh, well, pretty good. Actually, uh, my back went out this last week and I've been, I could barely walk. Wow. And then uh, somebody where, where my wife works says uh, you should take this uh, steroid uh, pack and uh, it sucker worked within two or three doses. Now I'm all back to normal. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> can you make a program that would show all the syntax errors? You probably couldn't, could you? Because you'd be bopped out of the program, right? What do you mean by, there, well, syntax error is the error. Syntax error yeah. is just a statement. But you I mean, you, you know, want, you want to see all the error codes. Memory. Yeah, you, yes, you know, yes. have a program that runs them all. You couldn't do that, could you? Well, let me ask you this. You're trying to, get the, you're trying to write a program to actually generate all those different errors? Yeah, you couldn't do it because uh, it would you'd get bopped out on each one, right? Mm, yeah. Yes, unless you did like an on error, or every time you got the error, it would go back. Actually, what I did to answer your question, though, so all those things have um, there's a way to look up what the error is, mm-hmm. and I had actually written a program a long time ago that wrote it out longhand because all you get shorthands, you get like SN for syntax and question mark zero for divide by zero. So I had written a program that said on error, go to this, and it like printed out in longhand what the actual error was. So there's a way to detect those errors. And um, so you could write a program to actually write out what all your errors are and what they mean too. Um, but but you you're talking about run you're talking about writing an intentionally broken program to generate right. the errors. It's, yes, it's probably possible by just having this on error go to and have it go to the next part that's broken and have so it you'd generate have, to have a trap or something you'd have to put a trap in there to that's do it yeah is, yeah so i i mean it's uh, it kind of sort of you know yeah so yeah you would but because because if the program's going to keep going you would never see the error message break out to the okay prompt because once you like oh. broke out and got the okay prompt the program has stopped so you would have to build in a trap that said this error occurred at this point in time, press any key to continue, and then have the program run again. And now this error has occurred. So, you know, it wouldn't be exactly, I think, what you're thinking about, but you could probably do it somehow. So you could probably write a program and then have your video go. As soon as it makes the error, you stop it, and then do the next one, stop it, and then show that whole video without having a program run. Yeah, yeah, or you cheapest you, way to do it. Yeah, or the other way would be when you have this on error thing where it goes to a program. Um, when it prints out the message, have it say end, and it would end that line. But then have the next line like return to the next part of the program. So you would have to type in C O N T each time for continue, because when you break out of a program, if you type in continue, it picks up from where you left off. So that would probably be a, the closest thing. I don't think it would be fully automated, but you could script it in a way where it, you could. Capture these, you would see the actual error message. It would program would end to an okay prompt, you would type continue, it would go back and then run the next wrong code and generate the next error. That's a, actually an interesting idea. Idle mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that sounds like a programming challenge. We've got all these like 10 line challenges and five day challenges, and let's yeah. write a program to intentionally generate every single error sequence possible. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> intentionally, <laughs> intentionally putting errors into your stuff. Right. So, yep. um, difficult one, really difficult one to be OM error because you'd be out of memory. So if, if it was out of memory, you wouldn't run. I mean, it I might be the last one. <laughs> save, yeah. a, save, uh, save that one till last. Well, if you had a clear with a very big number, right. Wouldn't that give you no OM error? <laughs> yes. It so. would. 
Yeah. Better you poke poke in your high memory to be almost nothing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The easiest one anyway. is you just you just make you make line ten say print out of memory, end, and that way it just never runs. <laughs> and the program just blew up before it even started. So. Uh, <laughs> dimension error. You ever get one of those DM error? Well, yeah, I've been told I'm dim all the time. So yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> good question, Ron. Uh, did you have a project update this week? Anything else you wanted to share other no. than that that hypothetical question? Yeah, it was one of the things. I, I think right now. I think right now. Uh, Camp Redmond. I believe because you know we we are listened to by you know the leading software. So I believe Microsoft, Google, and Apple have now picked up on this and are going to start working around the clock to come up with this. <laughs> so the greatest minds cool. in software development will be working around the clock. Uh, Jason, the Coco Man Rikert. Anything new and exciting with you other than Nightmare Highway? Oh, Nightmare Highway. That's uh, that's of course for the. The other, the other Riker brother, uh, but uh, uh, just you know what? Just a lot of uh, well, it's summertime, so uh, got the summertime stuff. But uh, already trying to get ready for uh, for uh, VCF Midwest and Tandy, Tandy Assembly next month because uh, they'll be they'll be here before we know it. Yes, and uh, that's I, I know. That's it. I, I have my I have my color baseball here, so we'll excellent. Uh, nice. That I picked up in Cleveland a few weeks ago, so that's uh, that's what I'd love yeah. to have. That's, very, that's very about cool. it right now. Just trying getting to, ready, getting, getting ready. ready, just making sure I am ready. I do not want to wait till last. Right night. now, if you were in the South, you could say you were fixing to get ready. Fixing to get ready. Yeah, I'm fixing like, to get you know, ready. I, I would get a steak with all the fixing. <laughs> what, I think. Uh, what do I know? And David O'Connor, we're going to hear a lot from you today, so maybe we'll save you for after Mark overhauls it, right? Since you're kind of our main segment today. Yeah, there's and, probably not much going into anything right now. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, yes. So then now we're going to just move over to uh, uh, Nick Moroda, our resident Canadian. Uh, how's it going, eh? Oh, uh, pretty good, eh? It's, uh, snow just melted, so we're, we're going to have uh, a couple weeks of uh, summer, and then we'll be, uh, we'll be all good. Okay, I see you're playing uh, Tetris in the background there on a Coco. I have, yes, Coco it's one of the games that it's one of the cartridges I had when I had my Coco Three, and I'm anxiously awaiting a second SDC to arrive, which will be here uh, this week. Okay, for my Coco for my Coco Two. So yeah, that's pretty much it this week. Okay, and in the live chat, Paul Fiscarelli is asking who is going to Tandy Assembly. Um, okay, so Jason Reichert is going to Tandy Assembly. Uh, Mark yes, Bosley. Very close. Mark Bosley, Tandy Assembly for you. Mark Overholzer. I'm pre- uh, David O'Connor, you were planning on going to Tandy Assembly, right? It's just right across the uh, globe for you. Yeah, it's just a short swim. <laughs> just a short bus ride. Um, yeah. Ron, Ron yeah, Delvaux? No, only now, going. Have you been to a Tandy Assembly yet, Ron? I have not. Okay. I'm going to go to the 51st one. Okay. The 51st Tandy Assembly? I'll, I'll be in a little jar. <laughs> We're going to bring along Ron's uh, his urn. Is the urn. He's yeah. <laughs> like, wow. listen, do, do what you want to me, but don't touch my Cocos, all right? So you Plan can, ahead. Yeah, we're going to bring your Cocos on a road trip with your urn next to them. So. That's uh, right. Okay. Um, and, and Nick Marotta, imagine being in old Canada, probably not going to make it to, to a Tandy Assembly. 
No. All right, Tom C., you going to Tandy Assembly? I think we just heard from Tom C. He's going to try to make it to VCF Midwest. And, yeah, and now I, who's going to VCF Midwest is the real uh, question. Yes. Tandy Assembly is easy for me. I mean, I don't even have to leave the state of Ohio. I'm just yeah. uh, I'm a, I'm a I'm a short three and a half hours away from uh, Springfield, super, Ohio. Yeah, so yeah, super right convenient. The corner, you know, it's yeah. like one of Nick's neighbors. Yeah. So the challenge for me is just the affording the, the planes or fa or travel fares and then taking time off of work. So you're losing money and you're spending money for me, you know, because I don't have a, like a real job with paid time off. So when I take time off, I'm losing money, um, and so I can't I can't do. I've already been to Coco Fest this year. I and at the last minute I just booked a flight for VCF Midwest because I'm going to share a room. So it's really it was just my only expense is going to be the airfare. So I just did that, but to be able to do a third event in the same year, especially so close because what are they in uh they're in when is Tandy Assembly? They're two they're, Tandy Assembly is two is two weeks two, after after VCF Midwest. Midwest. Right. So it's very they're very close. If it wasn't the distance thing, like Chicago is about an yeah. eight-hour drive, but uh, for me, but you know, uh, Springfield's three and a half. If you know that was the case, that that that's my deciding factor. It's just so darn close. I mean, yeah, the only yeah. other closest event I've ever been to is Penfest, and that was like less than an hour. So. Yeah, yeah, so close meaning geographically close. But yeah, yeah. so for me, they're being, they're too close on the calendar to afford two events in, in the same month. Um, so yeah, so if you got to pick one, VCF Midwest is probably the event of the year. It's the biggest. It's the biggest there is, as far as a whole retro thing, right? This will uh, be my first one. I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to check it out. Yeah. So um, very cool. Very cool. All right. So how about we do this, uh, Mark D. Overholzer? Uh, since you were uh, one of the four, one of the Fab Four who represented the Coco so well last weekend at VCF West in California, why don't you give us your um, kind of whole rundown? How was the experience, and how are you? Are you recovering? I am recovering. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, it actually took a lot out of me. I was busy both days, um, and I was busy, busy. I was only there Saturday a year a year ago. I only was there for Saturday, but it seemed way busier overall. And so I think it was probably a bigger show. Sounds like it probably was as far as people showing up, the amount of uh, tables they had. Uh, and uh, enjoyed uh, representing the cocoa. We had lots of interest. A lot of people had had cocos or were interested in cocos. And uh, got to see a few cool things too. Very cool. And so for and and we streamed the hell out of it when i say we i'm talking about mark bosley uh, mark bosley streamed the hell out of it especially on sunday so we did a pretty good job showing off a, a lot of the event saturday during our live show here but then pretty much the entire day we probably got seven or eight hours of streaming from the event on sunday for day two and thank you for that mark b yes. um uh five hours Okay, so how would you, if you had to wrap this up into the uh, the ball of wax, how would you how would you describe the event as a whole? Uh, me or Mark B? No, you, Mark Mark Overholzer. You were there. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Very, mm, very educational. Got to see okay. systems I'm not very familiar with. Uh, and again, got to share with people that were familiar with the cocoa but hadn't really seen them about mm -hmm. all this stuff. Many, many comments from people going, wow, I didn't realize the color computer community had so much stuff going on, talking about new hardware and software. Yeah. Um, that was really amazing. You know, and it's like, you know, the Cocoa was such the underdog compared to the other major systems. And so they're like, wow, you guys got a lot going on. So 
anyway, uh, oh yeah, the, the Apple One's really cool too. First time I've ever seen an Apple One in person. And how many? There was like ten or twelve Apple ten Ones. Yes. Insane, right? It was. Uh, they figured they had probably twenty five percent of all known Coco ones in existence there. Yeah, yeah, that's and cool. And um, of all the things you saw, what is probably the most memorable or had the biggest impact for you? Well, the Coco ones, because I am. Um, you, you mean the Apple ones? Yeah, the Apple ones. That's the Coco <laughs> <laughs> um, But uh, actually, you know, I have to say our table too. I mean, we had a really good showing. I was really mm -hmm. nice presence for the Coco. Um, other than that, boy. Um, actually, I was what? More impressed. There was an event last year that had teletype machines that were kind of cool. I didn't yeah. see Yeah. So the Apollo computer was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I didn't really look at it that much, but yeah, it was too. So, and the Monopoly it. table being run by the. Uh, right, by the. the, by the PDP 100 or something like that or whatever it was. Yeah, it was pretty cool, all digital. So I didn't really play with it, but I took a look at it. It's kind of neat. Okay. Here's a question from Curtis Boyle. From the people who spent a decent amount of time at the booth, how many were people who had a cocoa in the past and how many were genuinely in interested but but had never really had seen one before? Well, me personally, I don't know about Rob and Mikey and uh, Tim, uh, but probably two-thirds of the people that spent a bunch of time talking to me were former cocoa owners or had cocoa still or bought okay. cocoa uh, the other one third were just generally interested in older computers and uh -huh. trying to learn more about the color computer and its history. All right. Very cool. And and would you say, is it safe to say that it was a 100% unanimously positive experience, not only being at the okay. booth, but for the people who came to the Cocoa booth to see the setup and get hands-on oh, yeah. of everything? Yep. Yeah. yeah definitely. It's kind of interesting that when you're in these events, and I haven't been to a mixed event like this, like a VCF, where you have free people who are in different camps from different systems, but it seems like you don't have, when I say camps, I'm talking about there are people who have, are like, I'm an Apple guy or an Atari guy, but it wasn't the camps like the rivalries we had back when we were kids in the 80s, right? So is the climate generally uh, completely amicable? Everybody's nice to everybody. Everybody's interested in all the systems. There's none of the even like jovial trash talking like, oh, did, did you hear trash 80 at all by anybody who came up there? But was yeah, it tongue in cheek or was it snarky? It was, it was more tongue in cheek. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bygones bygones. One thing I found, because again, I'm in multiple communities. I mean, I have some Sinclairs and I have Commodores and I have Apples and the Tandy, um, is that when people have gotten older, they realize, you know, there's other stuff out there and there's other things. And so they know their system or systems, but they're interested in what other people were doing. Right. You know, and, those, and so, and in, in this, at this point, most people have the finances, they can get into other systems. Yes. You know? yeah, it's really, yeah. it's like some people are like, oh yeah, I'm looking to get into another computer system. This looks pretty cool. So, anyway, it was all very good and tongue in cheek. So, yeah, yeah. you're trash. Had a okay. bunch of people, the original model one, two, three. It's like, nope, sorry, these are the second line, color computer. Right, right, right. And this is your second in a rare year in a row going to VCF West, right? Yes, it is. Uh, I only went one day last year and I didn't exhibit anything, but Mikey and I sat down and said, you know, there's no cocoa presence here. We really should do something next year. Yeah, yeah. And Mikey did something. Yeah, and <laughs> so. you definitely came out in spades. Um, no, that's that's cool. Here's another question from Curtis Boyle. It says, "What was the most popular thing, software or hardware, for booth visitors?" That's a good question. I wanted to address uh, Ken's issue. We did show them Nightmare Highway. Told them based on real events, people thought it was cute. Uh, okay. Um, probably what was the most popular. Um, we had um, 
we had uh, uh, Farfall running on the first day, and a lot of people really liked it. I, again, it's something that people have seen before in other game systems. So okay. The grass from play. Uh, Popstar was kind of uh, unique, but it looked really good. And so uh, Popstar Pilot, so there was a lot of kids that tried that out. And they got the, got the concept right away. Um, and then we were running uh, Circe's Island from Steve Bamford. Right. On Sunday, and a lot of people really saw that because it looks so much like Mario. Right. And, uh, cultural thing with that it's like oh this is familiar yeah it's is very familiar and yeah a lot of people are like wow and it's like oh it's a new game <laughs> um hardware some of the people into hardware uh they were really impressed we had all the lids off the cocos and the uh, coco fpga was sitting there in a clear case you know so you could all see it and they were like maze like you're running a complete emulated coco on this fpga yep uh or uh the, you know see the memory boards the video cards the uh, VGA system. Uh, we had the um, we had the Gimme X uh, of running there, running the VGA. People were really impressed with that. Like, totally blown away. And that's probably only the second time that's been out in public. It was at Coco Fest, almost under. Yep. Uh, it wasn't that it was under lock and key, but it wasn't really promoted that it was there. So if you didn't stumble across it, you wouldn't have known it was at Coco Fest. So not a lot of people have seen a Gimme X yep. in the wild yet, since it's not technically released. So that's kind of cool <laughs> there. Sorry if we're did keeping you wait there, Mark B. Um, so. <laughs> did you also uh, play Simon's demo? Uh, yeah, we did a couple times on the one Coco 3, so the one from Coco Fest. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty impressive, too. It, it still had a few hang-ups, though, too. You know, the, the disc format, I think, uh, kind of binds itself up every once in a while. So. All right, so I think to answer Curtis's question, there wasn't a single thing that was popular. It seems like uh, everything was interesting across the board there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now, what about DK Remix or uh, Pac-Man? Uh, we had both those up too. We had five machines basically. We had oh yeah, I should tell you, you, you can see from the table, but uh, from left to right on the table, we had a Coco three with the Gimme X in it and the VGA output. We had a Coco two with the Coco VGA in it. Um, the Coco with the the Gimme X had a five twelve board in it. Uh, then we had a, a Coco FPGA, and then we had uh, the, the fourth one was another Coco three with two megs in it, and it uh, was just running uh, the RGB to the SCART and a switcheroo. Thank you very much, Jason. And then the last system was actually a, a Raspberry Pi 3 running uh, MAME or XROR. Okay. Uh, so we had five different systems and, uh, you know, different stuff running, rotating stuff around, showing stuff people, showing people stuff is really, like I said, the yeah. stuff. Now, you were there two years in a row. Would you say this year was a more uh, better attended event than last year? Were there more uh, bigger numbers of, of attendees? Yes, uh, just from my personal observation, just for Saturday, I wasn't there Sunday last year. Okay. Uh, way busier. It was slammed. I uh, just did the room was packed. The official numbers I saw from the email, I think they had 1,100 attendees. Uh, I mean, and for us who go to Coco Fest, so we're used to 120 people. Yeah. 1,100 people. That's an insane number. And mm -hmm. it makes you wonder what the numbers for VCF Midwest are, you know. Yep. Um, yep. That's, that's big. That's big. And it was at the Natural Computer his Living Houston. What's it called? The Computer, Computer History Museum. Computer so, History Museum in Mountain View, California. Mountain View, California. So this is a computer museum that's open year round where people can see live machines, big iron machines, things like that. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah. and that's it's a great location. So, I mean, basically what we saw because we, you know, we saw you guys streaming it all weekend. It, it looked like a great event. And hopefully by seeing this. We're doing two things. Obviously, we're providing a little bit of a public service because not everybody can just 
get up and go to California, especially if you're in another country. So hopefully we're providing a public service by letting you be a fly on the wall, but maybe even giving you some inspiration and a little kick in the hind end to say, hey, come come next year. You know, if you were on the fence or if you weren't sure, get up and and check these things out and support these events and support these systems and and see it for yourself, experience this. So, um, yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, I mean, on behalf of all all of us, thanks for doing that. Yeah, go ahead, Rondelva. I got a question. Um, Did um, any of the people that run the place, uh, did they come by and see the Coco set up? You know? I don't remember seeing anybody from the museum itself. I know that when I did VCF Pacific Northwest, I saw quite a few people from the living museum that was where it was hosted. And, uh, but I don't remember seeing anybody specifically from, um, you know, the Computer History Museum. But you know, they might, might, might not have noticed, you know. So, right. was, like, badges and tags and stuff. So, very cool. Well, hopefully, we'll see Mikey or or Rob Inman, uh, maybe later today or next week. But I want to, I mean, and the thing that to me, I mentioned, we know we talked about this right before the show. It really looked like you guys were working all weekend. It was almost like it was a job because every time we saw you, hey, because we didn't really speak to you at all, Mark Overholzer, because Mikey was walking around with the, with the portable showing stuff off. But you were always, all you guys were like behind the table or in front of the table. You're talking, you're answering questions, you're demoing. So it was almost like, this was a trade job. Show. It was a trade show. This was a job, and we were working all freaking weekend. That's really what it looked like. But it was, it was probably it wasn't like it was it wasn't dreadful work, right? It was enjoyable, but it was but like you say, you're recovering, so you're exhausted, right? Because it's mm-hmm. just <laughs> mm-hmm. go 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 go. Yeah. Oh, was there an award handed out? Brian Weasler is asking. Yeah, there was. Uh, everybody got an award. Uh, we got for most colorful presentation. Okay. Uh-huh. With uh, the color computer, is it, was yeah. that tongue in cheek? What did Very they good. now? Did they how did they spell color? Uh, they spelled it without the U, so, <laughs> so they spelled it correctly. Now in the live chat now, Rob Inman is out there too. So Rob was one of our uh, evangelists. Uh, Curtis had another question too. He said, "People inquiring to buy hardware, software. Yeah, a lot of them were interested. The ones that had Cocos. Okay, uh, right. There were there were some that were you know interested in acquiring more stuff, and so we were had handout materials and and uh, QR. Right. Codes. Yeah, that's that was a great thing that Rob Inman did, having all the little flyers and the QR codes. You know, scan here. You know what it reminded me of when you, when you uh, if you guys remember the movie Starship Troopers. You know, and they kept, they kept showing these commercials on TV. Well, you know, today we're going to join the army and this and that. To find out more, click here, you know. And so it was almost like every single one of your little posters had mm-hmm. the QR code. So here's here's some bullet points of what this is. To find out more, scan here, you know. So. Probably oh, at least half to 70% of the people, it's like you pointed out something and they took pictures with their phone either. Yeah, so there were a lot of people scanning those QR codes, right? QR codes yeah. or just take pictures of the overall information. So. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, again, thanks. On behalf of all of us who are Coco Nuts and then the Coco community, thank you for representing us and for uh, oh, in full force. So thank you. You're too kind, and thank you. All right, so how about we do this? I'm going to thank our patrons. We're going to take a brief commercial break, and then we're going to come back with our main segment today, which is going to be David O'Connor showing us how a color computer can control analog modular synthesizers does that sound good to all you guys absolutely all right so we're going to start off by thanking our patrons and then we'll do a quick break and we'll be back in about a minute and a half folks don't go too far 
All right, so let's thank our patron sponsors, the actual sponsors of our show. We're talking about you, Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue and the CocoVGA.com project, Brian Joyce and Extructus.com, Fedor Stamen, D. Bruce Moore, D. Bruce with FOD.GraceNote.ca and CocoForever.GraceNote.ca, David Mitchell, Diego, and his cool project site, yet another color computer site, YACCS.info. Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales and color-computer.com, Grant Leedy, Jason Downs, Jenna Fearon, Ken Reichard and Ken, Ken Makeit.com, Kyle Edder, Malfunct, Paul Fiscarelli, Frenemythic, Richard Lorbieski and B-O-Y-S-O-N-Tech.com, Robin Min, Steve York, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C and Tom S. Thank you for sponsoring our show. You are all too kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. As you start your journey to Coco Fest, you notice the road ahead is littered with rogue furniture. You realize you are driving on the Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. The new game for the Tandy Color Computer 1, 2, and 3. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Stunning low resolution visuals, digital to analog converted sound. 100% machine language and basic. What are they saying about Nightmare Highway? Nightmare Highway. Steve B. York says, of all the games released this year, this is one of them. Elkert S. Boyle says, this will not be on my site. Nick Marionette says, crikey, look at the size of that croc. Get your complimentary copy of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway at cancanmakeit.com. If you got it for free, you paid too much. Coming soon. All situations depicted in this trailer actually happened. This true story has been anonymized to protect the guilty. Starting in the dead of winter, a group of bored teenagers, Blue Stuff Pup, learned code cracking, learned phone freaking, hijacked and hacked. No system was safe. No one could catch them, or so they thought. story at the dawn of the internet system hacked and now 
Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? These are the tough <laughs> questions that must be asked, and we're glad that Samuel Gimes is there to do that for us. Uh, he says what we're all thinking. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a special treat for you. And I need to ask everybody on the panel now, too, as David O'Connor starts to do his audio presentation, that we all need to kind of mute ourselves because any sound you make is going to barge in on his sound. It's going to disrupt his playback. But for those who don't know David O'Connor, number one, he's got an incredible beard. Uh, what Does your beard have a name by any chance, David? Oh, I haven't thought of one for it yet. <laughs> <laughs> your beard needs its own name, uh, and maybe yeah. it's maybe a uh, an Instagram page. So My, uh, mine is Roadkill. Beardy <laughs> <laughs> uh, beard. Um, so, Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, and then get into um, what you're going to be presenting for us today? Because I see a bunch of mission control stuff there behind you. Yeah. Well. Uh, my background is pretty much my background. <laughs> if I can be so corny. Uh, um, yeah, basically, I've been uh, into music for decades. Um, I've mentioned on a few previous episodes, but just for, I won't go into all the full details, but I really started off in the early 80s, about the same time I started off with this very uh, Coco One, which I've had since brand new. Um, I also started off with a Roland Juno 6 analog synthesizer. Um, which was in our school music room, and I uh, I was playing trumpet at the time in the school band, and I spotted this synthesizer and took a keen interest in that, and got to taking the thing home and playing around with it, and um, I didn't know how to play keyboards at the time, and my parents got me lessons, and I, I learned the basics, and then um, you know all of a sudden uh, synthesizers became my uh, my uh, my thing. I uh, just fell in love with what you could do with analog synthesizers, and uh, what I've got behind me here is is the modern um, the modern iteration of that three and a half decades later. Um, so what I have done um, recently is uh, I mentioned on a couple of episodes ago we had this. Uh, by the way, if anybody else is on the panel now, you you, you don't have to mute straight away. I won't actually do any audio here because. Okay. If anyone's asking me questions or whatever, then it's sort of me just rabbiting on, and, and I'm not hearing anybody. Uh, okay. Anything. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will do a, an audio demo, so I'll mention that when I'm um, just before I do it, and then we can do the mute thing. Did you say you had a Coco VGA in there? Yes, in this Coco, um, hmm. there's a Coco VGA. There is also hanging up the side of it. There's a, a Coco SDC. Oh, by the um, way, we, we just real quick, David, we got two suggestions for names for your beard. So Curtis oh, yeah. Curtis Boyle said it should be called ZZ Top Junior, but then Tim Franklin <laughs> Tim Franklin says because you're down under, it should be called ZZ Bottom. So uh, <laughs> all right, now sorry, back back to your question about the Coco VGA. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, just recently since uh, since rediscovering this awesome online. Coco community and everyone getting back into their cocos and the retro scene being so vibrant it's really been inspiring but uh, but um, Ed Snyder and um, and Brendan Donaghy have done some amazing stuff the two of them paired up with the Coco VGA 
on my screen here, you might notice I haven't got the, the, the traditional tandy green background going on there. So what's going on here? And, and on this one, I can even press shift zero and oh, look at that. The Cocoa no one was lower. So, <laughs> um, that's all uh, Coco VGA uh, gives you different modes. Um, so there's a couple of little press buttons on the back of the computer that I can press to change it into different color schemes and modes and whatnot. Um, so I've written this basic program here. It, it, it's a fairly simple program, basic. It's simple and it's basic. <laughs> so it's a basic, basic program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's a step sequencer. And I've got, I've saved it onto my Coco SDC, which is plugged in the side, which is another one of Ed Snyder's fantastic devices. It enables us to save all our programs onto SD cards instead of having to load and save them to set. Um, I've got a, a couple of Mega Mini MPIs. I don't have it plugged in at the moment, but um, there's one plugged into my Coco 3, which we'll see later on when we talk about the keyboards, which is another one of Ed Snyder's uh, projects. Uh, but anyway, back to this. Um, it's my original Coco 1. It's got the Coco 2 keyboard in it, which I put in it not long after I got the thing. I had it for about two years or something and then put that in it. Upgraded it to a, a whopping 64K of RAM. <laughs> um, and yeah, recently I've added the VGA and whatnot. So uh, here we are. Um, this program, I've made use of this particular mode with a black background and white text instead of the green background. Um, so uh, I can, uh, you'll, you'll see why I've done that in a minute. Um, so what I basically am doing, this board that we talked about couple of episodes ago, the evaluation kit board from a company called Second Sound. Um, this is called the ACO160 evaluation kit. Um, this little chip in here, which is the heart of, of, of this board, converts any audio signal, um, any single note, monophonic, any single note um, audio signal, it converts it into control voltages um, and MIDI signals, basically. So, uh, Control voltages and gates, which are which are which are analog voltages, basically, which will control my analog modular synthesizer behind us. So uh, Brian uh, from Second Sound is the developer of this kit, um, evaluation kit. So I've got this connected now to my uh, to my Coco One. Uh, the other mod that I did when I did the uh, the VGA Coco VGA mod was I added a dedicated audio output on it, but it's basically still just a six-bit audio from the Coco, so it's um, standard six-bit audio running into the line in on this. This board then is I've, I've tweaked the levels and I've tweaked the sensitivity settings and everything to to match the the less than perfect sound of the Coco, um, and that then converts the co anything that I send out the audio output from the Coco, whether it be the play command or the sound command goes into this, this analyzes it in real time and converts it into MIDI signals that go into my Roland system eight and into analog control voltage and gate signals which go into the analog sequencer and, and synthesizer. So that comes out of the cassette port into that board? No, not out of the cassette port, it's out of the- um, It's audio the out. Yeah, it's audio out. Like normally on, on a non-modified Coco, you, your audio comes out of the RF uh, output with the, with the video and then goes into your TV and the sound comes out your TV speaker. Um, so, you know, if you, modified, if, Ron, if you did a composite mod and you had the one for video and one for audio, the RCA okay. jack, it would be the yes. audio out jack from a composite mod or an audio so out. So the Coco VGA has that audio yes, out. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's yeah he's taking okay. that and then capturing that sound right. and and basically electronicizing it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The the, the Coco VGA doesn't offer the sound. 
Um, it, you still got to do the mod separately to it, but the kit right. comes with the needed. Well, to how would you mod. actually explain that process? Because you're technically not digitizing something if you're analogizing it, right? So, <laughs> or is it doing a digital to analog conversion? Is it doing because uh, it's here? It's it's being output as analogs audio, right? It's 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 capturing yeah, analog right. audio, and then well, it's actually doing two things. It's it's then sending it out to analog electrical impulses as well as digital MIDI tone. So it's actually doing digital and analog output simultaneously then, right? Yeah, and it's also got its own onboard mini synthesizer with with, with, with its own oscillator, so you can actually get audio directly out of this from its own oh, synthesizer. Oh, okay, so you could actually tap a speaker output into its audio out and hear it straight from there without run, controlling a second synth. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a yeah, synth yeah. on the board even. Yeah, absolutely. It oh, is. wow, yeah. there's a lot of tech in there. There is a question from Curtis about polyphonic music. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. What would happen if it if it heard a polyphonic? Would it just interpret it as as a, whatever single note it thought it heard, basically, or whatever seems to be prominent at the very microsecond that it's analyzing something? Yeah. It'll try and turn the control voltage into MIDI note. But if you feed it with polyphonic music, uh, when, where all the frequency spectrum is changing all the time, and it, it's, yeah. It's, it, it's not designed for that. So if you throw it with a, uh, throw it a, poly, a polyphonic um, chord or something like that, it will do all sorts of crazy stuff. It'll put it'll try and uh, um, output whatever's the most prevalent at this particular right. time. So pa yeah, so. Paul Fiscarelli is saying this is basically a DSP. It's a digital digital sound processor. Is that an accurate? Yeah, it's a custom it's a custom chip. The heart of it is this little chip here. Uh, I don't know if you can see that. You can sort of just see that there. Mm -hmm. um, that the actual uh, that chip basically takes an analog audio signal mm -hmm. and, and does all conversion. Well, everything else that's on this board is just peripheral stuff to to. Um, and what are the audio inputs? Are they RCA? Or are they XLR? Are they like quarter inch, eighth inch? What's the what's the primary input for the audio? The audio in on this one, if we can see there, is a multi connector. It's a Neutrik. Um, XLR connector or okay. a uh, jack input. So I've got a okay. frame jack plugged into it at right. the moment. So, but so, to, and I think you had mentioned too. Let's so let's just say we plug a microphone into that jack. You could literally yep, yep. like sing into it, and the notes yeah, that came I, out of your voice would then be converted into electronical notes on a synthesizer. So any sound it hears, it's going to basically play back as a synthesis as a synthesized note. Exactly. I've got this microphone right here, and I tried that very thing. Yeah. Um, set up there now, and someone's not plugged in at the moment, but if I speak or sung into the microphone. Well, well, maybe we could work on our little duet of doing West End Girls together, you and I, so. <laughs> <laughs> as we were doing that before the show today. So, so this program has uh, basically a song that you're going to play? Yeah, what I've done program. here... Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm one of my big influences over the years has been, uh, or two of my big influences basically were uh, uh, Jean-Michel Jarre, French musician, uh, who's famous for his, his 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 first big work was Oxygen, uh, which a lot of people will not have heard of, um, and also uh, Tangerine Dream, German uh, group from started in the late '60s, and they're actually still going now, even though their founding member Edgar Froese he he actually died earlier this year. Mm. Uh, but the band is still going, um, and he passed his knowledge on to, to one of the members who's still a current member now. So those two musicians primarily have been a huge influence on me as far as synthesizers and electronic music is concerned. 
So I tend to like using, you know, like lots of pulsing analog step sequences and even digital step sequences or whatnot um, to create a, a, a rhythmic bed um, of pulsing um, synthesizers, um, which I can then put chords and melody lines and stuff over the top of very much sort of Tangerine Dream style. Um, so this program that I've got here on the computer is just a, it's the beginning of, of something more complex. It's just a, a very simple beginning. Uh, it's just a 16 note step sequencer. Um, there's a data statement, line 260. Uh, if you if you can, I don't know whether you can see that there, O2, octave 2C, octave 3C, octave 2, E flat, so on. So it's basically um, a data statement containing all the codes for, um, for a eight step sequence, basically. Um, and the program will then step through those eight this line 180, if w equals w plus one, if w is greater than eight, then w equals one. This is basically being used, this is, this is an array. Um, so A string w is basically an array of eight notes. And this will then step through those eight notes one at a time and play them. Um, and so it doesn't, doesn't use the sound command or the play command, well, similar to sound command. command. The play command is an extended okay. basic, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I can use the sound command. If I type in here, like I'll do an example right now. I'll type in sound, say I type in sound 100, 20. That will actually, what you'll hear here is not the Coco sound. You'll hear the actual sound of the analog synth. If I just press enter. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, any sound that Coco makes is going to be played on one of his devices. Yeah. And I can even type in, like if I type in the play command, play. Let's just make a, a, a trill or something like a third. I'll just go E G E G. Just type in a whole lot of E G E G E. So we'll do that sort of thing. If I just play that. That's mm -hmm. actually literally playing the analog synth. Me right there. So, uh, cool. So yeah, this is. This, this, All right. So do we need to mute now so you can run your program? Should we yeah, mute ourselves I, yeah, now? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 I'll, what I'll do now is I'll just uh, I'll demonstrate the program. I'll run it, which is just going to be a step sequence, um, and I'll just get up and for a couple of minutes or whatever, twiddle some knobs, and hopefully not bore everyone to tears. <laughs> all right, so we're all going to mute, and David's going to wow us with some. This is basically the our color computer, but what you're going to hear is going to be that rack of electronic stuff behind David there, being output and controlled by our Coco. Cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right, the Coco is going to be every note that you hear will be being played by the Coco. All right, so, I am muting myself now. Okay, I'll just uh, get this camera out. Uh, there we go. Now let's uh, flip around my camera. Um, that. And if I go on here, let's see what we can do now. I'll type in run and very uh
Wow, that was really cool. And I could see your little program. You could see like the little status bar going across. So it showed you the notes as it was changing notes and you saw the like little timing things kind of scroll back and forth. Uh, so that's a neat little visual display that your program showing what it's doing while it's doing it. There was a couple of questions in the live chat too uh, while you were playing that. Uh, one of the questions is coming from Qui-Gon, who is Michael Brandt, who's also a magician, a musician, right? Because you musicians <laughs> are kind of like magicians anyways, right? So he's a musician. And what was Michael's question? Um, he was asking how you were outputting this. If it was at MIDI or was it CV, I think. And I think you answered that question. But since he's asking it again, do you want to explain how this is outputting to your synths? Yeah, it's actually um, it's actually both. It's MIDI and CV. Um, I've got, I've, I'm running, to, I'm running things layered here. I'm running the modular synthesizer into uh, the Roland System Eight, which which you saw when I panned the camera around. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got the effects in the Roland System Eight running uh, like delay and reverb um, layered on on the input um, from the modular synth. So basically, this little board, as I was saying before. It's outputting MIDI and control voltage and gate at the same time, the same data. So I've got control voltage and gate and envelope. Actually, it's got three outputs here. 
I've got mm. that going to the synthesizer, and I've got MIDI, MIDI five-pinned in MIDI there going into the Roland System 8. So they're basically both playing the same thing at the same time. Same time. So you already um, have uh, layered sound right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm layering the System 8 with the mod modular at the same time. That's what you heard before when it was finishing, and it finished on the high notes. Yeah. I, I, I turned the oscillators up um, a couple of octaves on the System 8, and then uh, rolled off all the top end until basically the, the filter closed on the modular, and you were left with just the sound of the System 8 at the end. Yeah, so, that's uh, cool. Now, there was a question yeah. from Ken Reichert saying, could this also then be output back into Audio Spectrum Analyzer? Wouldn't that be cool seeing the uh, spectrograph running on a Cocoa while this was running too? You know what I mean? I mean, technically I actually, you could. Yeah. I should have done that. Put one of my other Cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> For the full Cocoa experience. We got Cocoa on the output. We got Cocoa on the input. We're analyzing what we're doing here, right? So that would be kind of cool. Uh, and it did sound... And yeah, we, had, we had some good comments saying that, yeah, this is, we need to hear more music like this. This, I mean, for if you're into retro computers, hopefully you're into retro music, you know, and this is, this is some retro sound and stuff here, right? So. Is this uh, going to be the most expensive sound chip solution for the Coco? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's taken me 35 years to put it together, so. <laughs> this is your prototype when you go to mass production. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mass production. That would, uh, mm, yeah. I, I'm not interested if it doesn't have a real time clock, personally. So uh, <laughs> it does have a real time clock. See, it's a real time <laughs> clock right up in the corner. <laughs> uh, so you're able to uh, also um, record this digitally, yes, absolutely. or absolutely. yeah, I think right. one of the I think one of the earlier questions too was is what how do you, you know if you as you're turning your dials and you get to these different sounds, how do you remember that if you like that sound and you want to use it again, how are you able to remember? that sound you just made when you started turning these dials in this certain direction. So that's one of the arts of learning modular synthesis and analog synthesis yeah. um, is like, I've been playing around with this stuff for 35 years. So, or since so he, knows he knows so it's it. No, pretty much backwards and inside out and upside down because we're down under. <laughs> um, so, yeah, ba basically, the thing I really love about modular synthesizers, too, is the fact that you don't have memory in it. And every time you patch something, you get something slightly different, even if you remember how you got it last time. Yeah. And those differences can sometimes lead to a, to, um, to inspiration, which will lead to a dramatically different sound, and you can end up with an entire new song just as a result of inspiration. Yeah. We do have a request for Nick Morota to play the ukulele next after this, so... Uh... <laughs> we'll have to do a live thing where we place the ukulele over the top. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got Jason on the $5 ukulele, so that's probably good enough. Um, uh, cool stuff. There's, uh, so, any more questions from the panel or from the live audience about what David O'Connor is currently doing here? And, and this is really just kind of uh, this is like a phase one alpha proof of concept on just making some simple software. You've got more. Uh, grandiose plans on controlling things, I imagine, down the road? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in the coming week, week or two or whatever, I'm planning on actually elaborating this this um, program, simple program that I've written here and having one with memories and programmable sequences and you can flip between the different sequences live in real time. Um, and I'm actually, I've got, got this idea now, I'm, the next album I think I'll do after but the one that I'm finishing at the moment, um, I've got an idea for actually doing an album where I might even use the, the, the cocoa as the basis for the entire album. 
and do a, like a Tangerine Dream style album with all this electronic music and have it all programmed and controlled by the Coco. That's cool. So mm. it, it won't need you after a while. <laughs> <laughs> It'll have a mind of its own. Yeah. I'll be, it'll be when, like... when the machines rise in 2038, right? Well, either that or it'll be, um, it'll be, you can't do that, Dave. Yeah. Dave. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. My mind is... <laughs> yeah. Dave, could you plug me in, please? <laughs> Access denied, Dave. There's, some, there's <laughs> something doing, so, um, there's something so, I'm not even sure what the adjective I'm looking for here, but when you patch things in, like in the old days of when you played the guitar, you had a separate pedal for everything. So you knew when I kicked on the distortion pedal, it was on or off. These were like toggle switches, right? So you had your whole banks of pedals for your guitars. You could turn your flange and your echo and your delay and your reverb and your distortion and all these things. Each one was a separate physical foot switch you turned on and off. And the ability to, con to control things and connect things in that way, in that very direct kind of patchy kind of way, um, well, it, it was at one point in time, it was the only way to do things. And nowadays, everything is so integrated and electronic. You know, now there's sound processors that do everything. And it's just you pull up program code 12 and it's got the digital version of these 15 pedals all together. But there's something so cool about this yellow wire here goes to this thing here. And I have got a like you're like a telephone operator, like patching things in in one moment while I connect your call. And, and you're in complete control of what you're doing, where it's going. And um, and hopefully you know what the hell you're doing because I'm already confused looking at all these wires. This, this looks like a scale model of a Paul T. Barton project um, with all the colored wires on it. But can, uh, uh, can we ask for an encore for a short time? You want to hear some more of this? Yeah, let's do that. Oh, we did get a we did get a request for you to play Free Bird. Can you do that, any Leonard, any Leonard Skinner? <laughs> so play some Free Bird, man. <laughs> Over here in Australia, it's usually play K Sand by Cold Chisel. It's, it's like anyone who's in Australia will know what that means. It's a, a classic pub song. But okay. I guess that's the same. No. All right. Uh, well, Rondo, is that this? You, you're going to hear this, or is this for your bathroom break, Ron? You can actually no, listen I, to it. No, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So we have a request for an encore. I'm going to go ahead and mute. We're going to mute, and we're going to hear David's uh, musicianship nips. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I'll do the. Uh, Let's run that again. Uh, let's just turn down this. And down, and I'll hit the play button, and I'm going to fade things in slowly here. So. Thank you. 
Welcome to Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> and, the, and the interesting oh, thing is that was oh. the, that was basically the same pattern over and over again. But as you kept changing the instruments, it, you were changing the feel and the mood. And sometimes it sounded, it sounded like strings and stuff. And you had like, you know, all these. It's just a very simple pattern. But as you changed the sounds and it kept going on over, it just felt like the music was kept, you know, getting all these extra flavors to it. It was really cool. That's pretty much the essence of a lot of what they call Berlin School music. And yeah. the term Berlin School come from the Berlin School of Electronic Music, which was uh, a school in the uh, in the 70s, 80s, that taught the techniques that Tangerine Dream used to do all their music. Um, so, yeah, and Tangerine Dream would very much do that. They'd do it live. There'd be three of them on stage, and they'd have one doing the, the analog sequence and, and, and changing things just like I was doing there, and then they'd have somebody else on one side doing Mellotron strings, and somebody else doing a lead line over the top, and and that's the essence of of, of uh, pretty much Berlin School, Tangerine yeah. Dream style. Yeah, it? it's really cool. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Like on your on your, you, you we should plug your current new project that people can buy online, or Pulse Eternal, right? Um, you should definitely plug that. But your first track, it's like a sixteen minute track, you know, and it's yeah, just it's, it's just a lot of just listening to this. It's almost like you know, being at the beach, just having this gentle wave of this whole musical thing washing over you, you know, so it's really cool. It, it, the music doesn't have to be like pop music, you know, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, verse, bridge, you know, you can just have this ambient trance just, you know, wash over you for a really long time. Like we, you got requests for encores, you know, so it's, I mean, if you're into electronic music, if you're into mood and in case in this case here moog music uh yeah man you can eat this stuff up so very cool stuff you want to plug your your latest project and where people can get it yeah well um yeah just talking about pulse you know pulsing sequences and pulsing steps and things like this it, 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 i uh recently come up with a new project it's called pulse eternal 
um, and it's it's based on this style of music. So my new project is uh, I've released one album, uh, which is now available on on iTunes and Google Play and stream it on Spotify, but we only get like, you know, one cent per 300 plays on Spotify. So it's best to buy the album if you want to support. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, PulseEternal.com. Um, if you go there, you can you can listen to it on Bandcamp, stream it for three times for free on Bandcamp or listen to it on, you know, if, and if you like it. Yeah, um, yeah it's available there to, to purchase. for you know, it's well, I got it. For, yeah, for I got free. it too. I got it on Google Play and I've listened to it several times. And um, it's good stuff. It's good. It's good stuff. I listen to a lot of um, electronica chill, and and this is a very cool analog version of that style of music. You know, um, oh, yeah. Really appreciate the feedback there, Stevie. Yeah, and I think I was telling you before the show, one of the, a guy who who works with me now, he's European. He's originally from the UK. Spent many years living in Germany. He loves you know electronica, like chill, down tempo stuff. And I played it for him a few times. He enjoyed it too. So, um, oh, cool, cool. Oh yeah, uh, uh, so Ben Drake's saying it reminds him of tubular bells as well, right? So, uh, oh, yeah, but well, can't forget Mike Oldfield. He's another big influence for me too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite sound. Oldfield albums is actually an album called Amarok. Uh, so, if anybody hasn't heard Mike Oldfield's Amarok album, it's incredibly dynamic, and it goes through all these changes, and it's like a whole like sixty minutes long. It's one big long song. And it was basically Mike Oldfield saying to the record industry, go and get lost, but, you know, forget your radio play stuff. I'm going to do what I want to do. And, yeah. and he did this amazing album, which was just about impossible to play on the radio. But it's, it, it's an incredible album. It's a real journey. <laughs> yeah, Korn has a song about that too. <laughs> Korn has a song. Y'all want a single, I say F that. F that, yeah, F that, right? Y'all want a single, say F that. <laughs> yeah, that's my kind of music. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, so any more questions or comments from the panel or the people watching and listening right now? Anybody have questions for David O'Connor? This, David, this sounded like uh, <clears throat> a sequence we could play instead of crickets when we're waiting for stuff to load. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so is that like the you're saying what was that is, is that like the you're saying that's like the audible equivalent of the of the spinning hourglass this is like your yeah, on no, hold music no, whenever you're waiting for your computer yeah, so. yeah. your call is very important to us please hold on <laughs> <laughs> I would love for you to produce something for for the show, either a new theme song or an outro song or something we could use. That's a David O'Connor could you, original. Could you try your mic? Were you going to try your mic? Oh, can you sing uh, into it? Sing into it. Yeah, let's. All right, let's just. I haven't actually. I think I can. It's, it should be pretty straightforward to plug. I've actually got it set up for this, but I should be able to just unplug the cocoa. And we don't want to see blue smoke, so take your time. <laughs> Richard Atkinson is asking if you have a Yamaha D85 back there. <clears throat> yes, it is indeed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, uh, that's it there, the D85. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic organ. Love the thing. It's, um, that was a fairly recent acquisition, actually. I only got that this year. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it does the Hammond organ sound better than some Hammond organs. Wow. I always thought Korg had one of the better Hammond rock organ sounds for keyboards. 
What's that whirly thing they have in some organs? What do they call it? Leslie, I think. Yeah, oh, Leslie. Leslie yeah, yeah, yeah. These, got... that, these got a Leslie speaker and the yeah. one sitting next to it, which is off the camera, has got a Leslie. Speaker. Smoke on the water. <laughs> I know, I just know too much dang trivia. Okay. Testies, uh, one, two. Testies, one, two. Testies, testies, one, two. And we might need to mute again so David could sing. Wait. I've got to set up. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I've got to <laughs> That's why it's doing weird stuff. It's trying to play a sequence at the same time with my voice. So it's going to be a bit. Oh, that's interesting too. Yeah, I'll have to, I'd have to repatch it to suit my voice, but it does work with voice. I have tried it before, and I don't have a very good singing voice, so I'm not going to torture everybody anymore. <laughs> well, the, I think the cool thing about that is, is that if you could think of a song that you could hum, you could hum the tune and turn it into electronic notes, either MIDI or analog for a synth so you don't even have to know how to play an instrument if you could just verbalize your melody you could start recording stuff and theoretically if you're doing it through midi you could do multi-track recordings right so you could lay down the rhythm and the leads and all the instruments and all the layers you could do it all with your voice yeah uh, absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know because in a way you know our voices are instruments you know some of them are better tuned than others um, but um, that's for sure. Mine's the five dollar uke. The five dollar uke. Hey, there David. we go. That'd be my <laughs> singing voice. Jerry Davis. <laughs> yep, yep. You have so many pianos. <laughs> pianos. Cool stuff. Oh, they still call it pianos. Pianos. If I just paint across this, the you'll get a bit of a, some stuff behind. That's like there. calling a violin a cello. Or I think a, a piano. That's like the Yosemite Sam pronunciation. That's right. Give me a sarsaparilla. Play me some of that piano music. You got that there piano music there. I think uh, that Panic on Funkotron that my son did was partially done on on the synthesizer also. <clears throat> now, does that board require any power, David? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a, a nine. I think it's a nine volt plug pack that plugs into it. Okay. No, you Ooh. don't have to have, like up your amp amp service for your home to run that. No, no. Actually, actually, that's interesting you mention that because this entire setup, my studio, the home, all the lighting, um, my contribution to Coco Talk at the moment, everything here is being powered by batteries at the moment. Crikey. <laughs> that's a, that's a beauty of a battery. Yeah. For Stevie, that's what when he says batteries, I mean, he means batteries. Yes. Just so you know, Stevie. Oh, by the way, too, so, uh, since since we were saying earlier your your beard is like a ZZ bottom, should we be calling it ZZ bottom or ZZ top? So. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, actually, because ZZ top over here, we do pronounce it ZZ top. We don't pronounce it ZZ you, top. You don't stop at ZZ top. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound right. <laughs> Ladies and no. gentlemen, ZZ Top. ZZ Top with their latest hit, Tube Steak Boobie. Boogie, right? So uh, 
Uh, we are in Canada. We do not say ZZ Top in Canada. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Good it's to not, know. It's not, Some things are sacred. All it's right. Not, it's not LA, it's LA Grunge. It's LaGrange. LaGrange. <laughs> la, 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 la um, all right. Well, we're going to take a brief commercial break, and then we're going to come back. Uh, if you have more questions for David O'Connor about music in general, analog, modular sense, uh, cocoa, controlling and sequencing, other things, Ask him after the break. But when we come back, David's also going to show us something that's going to kick off our news segment. Uh, teaser here. He's going to be showing off the new Ed Snyder Coco Mech keyboard for the Coco 3. Uh, the commercial I'm going to run right now is going to plug Retro Swag. A lot of us on the show right now are wearing our Coco colors. So we're wearing a Coco Talk shirt or an I'm a Coconut shirt or anything like that. So... Those are available at our Retro Swag Shop, which is 8bit256.com. And I think, although I don't remember, um, there might be a promo right now if you order something where there's a promo code and you get 15% off. I don't know if that promotion is running now or if it's soon or we just passed. But anyway, so shameless plug for our Retro Swag Shop. If you want a Coco t-shirt, Coco Talk, I'm a Coconut. If you want an Atari, a Commodore, uh, you know, a uh, ColecoVision, Sega Genesis, NES, we got all kinds of cool retro designs on t-shirts, coffee mugs and mouse pads and you're going to find out about that right now when i play this commercial and we will be back in about a minute and a half with more coco talk thanks guys hey have you got your coco 3 yet hi this is rick adams author of temple of rom and shanghai and you've tuned into coco talk the nation's leading live talk show featuring the tandy color computer What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. Hi, I'm Bruce Moore, and this is Jacob Moore. Jacob Gotcha. And we are the Forest of Doom guys, and the Coco Forever guys, and we are Coco Fest, and we love Stevie Stroh. Imagine a different world. A world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the Coco surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Coco forever. definitely are in this office. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. You want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt-reality OS9 module? <laughs> 
only a 40 years past due, but yeah, sure. Computer shopping has never been better at Radio Shack. Here's proof. Our new ultra-high-performance 386SX 20 megahertz computer with 85-megabyte hard drive, only $12.99. And it's from Tandy, manufacturer of the best-selling PC compatibles in America. Or get a 286-based Tandy home office computer with color monitor and hard drive, only $899.95. Shop your friendly nearby Radio Shack. Great selection, superior service. Nobody compares. We now return you to Cocoa Talk. And we're back, everybody. Everybody. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we did hear Rick Adams at the top of that commercial break there. And as we, yeah. if you're not aware, this week marks Rick Adams' birthday. I think he's 29 this week, that Rick Adams. He's a spry young lad. Uh, hey, don't forget, the, you know, the other game that's not mentioned there that you can still buy. It's, uh, I believe you can still buy. It's called Bomb Threat. Bomb Threat, yes. The, uh. The uh, lost game that he recreated. Absolutely. On the Retro Swag Shop. Yeah. At awesome. 8bit256.com. Thank you. You're too kind. And, um, uh, and Coco Forever commercial, you know. I, stop right there. Stop. <laughs> stop right there. We heard it from Legend. Okay, I got another question for um, David. Go ahead, Ron. David, uh, can you poke that to high speed and then play it? Yes, yes. It'll, it'll, yeah, it's, the, the, the thing that changes is the pitch will go up higher. Yeah, it's but it'll do. Oh, okay. It's basically converting any audio signal whatsoever, <laughs> any single note at a time audio signal, it will convert it to, to control volume. Plus, it'll be faster, right? A little bit yeah, faster and a little bit higher. Higher and faster. Yeah, higher and faster. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Although, what I've done in this program, um, Actually, that's something I was going to mention earlier on, is in this program, I've made use of the Coco timer command. The timer is basically a clock that runs continuously in the background, um, counts from 0 to 65535, and then resets back to 0. Um, and it keeps on counting no matter what you're doing, except if you're loading something from cassette or uh, doing a joystick thing. I think, it, I think it stops it. I'm not sure. Um, so what I've done, because different parts of this program take different amounts of time to execute, um, it'll play the first eight notes, then it does an extra, there's an extra little bit of a routine there to, to change some graphics on the screen. Um, so there's a longer pause there. So if I didn't use the timer command, the computer would have no way of knowing absolutely what, what gap there is between each note. So what I've done here, if you look at line 210, it says play A string W um, plus pause 8 or P8, pause 8. So that's the line there that actually plays the notes. That immediately after it plays a note, line 220 says timer equals zero. So that resets the timer back to zero. And then just before, then it runs through all the rest of its program, 250 go to 160, loops it back up to 160, which is a four next loop, um, to step through each of these notes in the data statement here. Um, but when it gets to line 200, just before the play command, it checks the timer value. And if it's less than four, then it won't play the next note until it gets to four. So 200, if timer is less than four, then go to 200. So it goes back to line 200, repeats that. And once the, a, a, um, a set pause has, has, has passed, it will then allow it to go back and play the next note. 
So what that basically does, it allows the program to maintain precise timing, no matter how many, uh, whether it's doing something slightly different each time, if it might be analysing a different note or doing a different part of the program, it will always um, wait until timer equals four till it plays the next note and then resets it straight after. So, right, and basically the, the color computer's timer is just counting CPU cycles. So the timer equals yeah. four, even so if you speed up, if you use the poke to speed up the CPU, you've sped up the clock rate, the notes are gonna yeah, play yeah. a little bit shorter. So technically that count of four is gonna be a shorter count because the cycle is faster, but the notes will be shorter too. So it should all relatively still work. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it right. does. And I've actually tried that. It does. I've actually got yeah. <laughs> at the start of the program. If I just do a list minus 50, just the first few lines, <laughs> line 10, I actually added in there poke 65494,0, which is the normal speed. It just poke. turns it off. You're putting it back in a normal, you're forcing it into normal speed as you start the program. Yeah. Yeah, because quite often I use the 65495 high speed poke on different programs or whatnot. And yeah. um, I was experimenting with it with this one and rather to, rather than type it in every time I want to run the program I, I just had that set so that it'll always do the same thing but yes it will work at the high speed poke no problems cool and what are you running in your audio spectrum analyzer back there Ron Delva what are you, what uh, are you just, analyzing <clears throat> whatever is coming through from our program oh so right now audio spectrum analyzer is analyzing Coco talk right now yes but delayed um, and it's looking like we are coming up mostly on the high end of the spectrum. So there's not a lot well, of, not a lot of bass in our show. It, it does Bob, pause Bob. too on uh, occasion. Why? I don't know. I'm going to talk lower right now <laughs> because I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no treble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass. I know there's a delay here, but I'm not yeah, seeing. Yeah. I am not seeing the low frequency show up on your. You well, we're, we're getting mid range right now, at least. I see some <laughs> mid range there. Okay. Oh my God, is that James Earl Jones? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick Moroda, I am your father. <laughs> you need an electro voice RE20 you need there for that radio voice. Yeah, right. Well, so. the other thing is my uh, cable's modified. I have the. Um, you see here, I have a couple of, uh, what do you call it, uh, diodes, or not diodes, resistors or something. Oh, resistors. Resistance yeah. is futile. It's a mod to make it uh, work for um, Wefax better. Ah. <clears throat> he's, he's got the Borg mod done to it. The Borg yeah. mod. Wefax ya! Um, oh, Curtis is asking if I'm implying that the panel is high. <laughs> I don't know if the panel is high, but the 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 spectrum analyzer says we are. Um, cool. So, any more questions for David O'Connor, music-wise? Because we're going to get into a different type of keyboard, and it's not a musical keyboard, but it's a QWERTY-style keyboard. Last call for David O'Connor, musical questions. I have a question. What what does what does the unprocessed output? I got something right there. Um, uh, un, 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 what's the output out of the cocoa sound like before you process it? So I can demonstrate that. I've actually got a speaker built in. Okay, everybody fun. mute yourself again because this is going to be, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, Who's going to wipe the screen? <laughs> mouse cursor. There's a mouse cursor. I've literally disconnected the... Uh, the input from this EVK, uh, the, the evaluation board, the converter board, and I've plugged it straight into the input on my um, monitor because this has built-in speakers. So, uh, 
This is what the cocoa is actually doing. So yeah, that's that's the actual sound that the cocoa is producing. Neat. I was just curious what where it started before. And where, yeah, and which which one did you prefer, Jason? Did you prefer the cocoa synth? <laughs> mm, did I prefer the cocoa? I I, I was. I was I, my first answer was going to be Cool Ranch, but I, I think that's, that's Doritos. Um, now, obviously, the processed output. <laughs> yeah, that was like I was cool. curious where we what we started with. That that's yes. pretty cool, though. So we took the crappy cocoa sound and turned it into something epic. I, I got one more question. Uh oh, one more uh, question from Rondo everybody. Remember the um, Musica um, program? Yes. And all the different songs you can play in it. Couldn't you just output any of those songs right into that? I think they're more timbral. Yeah, songs. but but in Musica, you could turn off other instruments. So you could mute the voices and just pick one primary voice and output yeah, that. Uh, yeah, actually, you could do that. And what you could do, you take it a step further than that, too. You could or play that one and record that on a multi track thing and then go back and mute that one and play the next one yeah and play that through a synth and do a multi-track version of it with a with an external synthesizer yeah right sure. cool. so yeah because Musica will play four instruments at the same time but his output device can only listen to one instrument or one voice at a time so we would have to do one one voice at a time and Musica output to get it and multi yeah 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 that's, I mean, basically in the in the early days of, of synthesizers, analog synthesizers, um, in the in the late 60s and early 70s, or even to the mid 70s, most uh, analog synthesizers were only single note at a time back then. Um, so the, the Minimoog, um, that's a single note at a time. And the, the one underneath you, that's that's the modern version of the Minimoog. Yeah, that's. Um, See there, that's 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 a that's a Voyager. Now, when so you say exactly. one voice at a time, you're not talking about only being able to press one key on the musical keyboard at a time. It's not monophonic. Could you you could you hold down ten notes polyphony on the actual keyboard and do chords, or did it not even support chords? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is these synthesizers in the early days would only play one note at a time. If you played three notes, it would only pick one of those three notes and play it. Oh, so yeah. you could you could not get a chord? No. 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 Oh, so it was literally monophonic. One. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Because I'm, th I'm thinking one track, but you're actually it's literally one note. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, the, what the cocos are. Yeah, mini mugs are known. You know, you, you, you do lead lines on them and bass lines and stuff like that and sound okay. effects and, and okay. Yeah. Uh, mini mugs are known for their bass lines and okay. lead lines. It's if you, you, you want a big fat bass sound that will shake the world, um, mini yeah. mugs the way to. Cool, cool. Mm. Um, okay, any more any more musical questions for David O'Connor? Going once, going twice. All right. So now we're going to talk about a different kind of keyboard that David O'Connor has. We are now going to talk about the Coco Mech keyboard, the latest creation from Cylon Industries. Um, and and yeah. this is going to segue into our news section because a lot a lot of people are post, post, posting their Coco Mech pictures on Facebook this week. Should play the Coco while you're doing that. Go on a bit of a wander through my studio here. Let's turn that light off. Turn this light on. Time for news. 
And I flip over my camera to the other camera. How much how much battery time do we have, David? Oh, it's on full. I've had it running on the charger all, all the time. So, right here in front of me, right here, we have Ed Snyder's uh, Coco mechanical keyboard uh, with, with this custom color scheme in my Coco 3, which no longer has its chiclet keyboard. And that's nice. So, I, I like yeah. the I like the white, gray, and gray look. You got dark gray, light gray, and white. Yeah, my camera's doing. It's very monochromatic. Yeah. I've actually got blue key caps for these as well. Ed sent me a tool to take them off, but I actually like the, the light gray and the dark gray. It's, yeah. It's, it does, it, yeah. I do I too. Really professional look. It's, um, and as we talked about earlier in the show, there's the uh, Mega Mini MPI and my other Coco SDC. Um, so I don't, I, I actually I do have it plugged in, but I don't have it set up at the moment. But um, the point here is we're talking about these uh, absolutely wonderful mechanical keyboards, and it's just a delightful thing to, to like. It's really the feel is really really top notch. It's nice and clicky, and very. It's a pleasure to type on. It really is. It's 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 better than the Coco Two keyboard that's in my um in my Coco One. It's significantly yep. better. Big step we'll up from see, it. We'll have to see what the coffee test does. The coffee. T- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Curtis Boyle says this color, this uh, color palette matches G shell, so <laughs> the, the grayscale. So yeah, but it's um, it, I did have a little bit of. I think Stevie, you've got some of the um, some of the photos. I don't actually have the case apart on this. I actually, <laughs> for once, actually screwed one of my cocos together. <laughs> so this one actually has its screws in it. The other, the other four of them I've got here don't have any screws in them. Um, but when I was putting this in, um, it, this is a Pell Coco 3, uh, and the motherboard's actually slightly longer. And because oh. the motherboard is slightly longer, there's a middle support that Ed has supplied that goes just under this part of the keyboard inside it. There's a, a support underneath here which fitted fine, and there's the other regular supports before supports that are exactly the same. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can't switch over to show a, a view of that right now. Um, yeah. Hold on one second. Mm. Okay, so here's the picture you sent me in Discord that I'm showing right now. Here's one of them. I'll go back to hang on. Where was my yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah. That one there. That's that's a side view of it. Um, that's showing the um. Yeah, 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 just there. That's that's showing that the board in the NTSC versions of it, the motherboard actually sits is shorter and it sits level with the with the, the side posts um, that mount the keyboard. Um, and it, you can see from that photo that on that left hand corner of that, there's a couple of electrolytic capacitors, yeah. and on this particular Coco on the on the PAL ones those electrolytic capacitors just clear the bottom of the keyboard. Mm. Um, so what I've done, I've put a little piece of electrical tape over each one just to make sure that nothing is going to short out on them. But uh, it does clear. They don't actually touch it, but they only just clear, clear it. So uh, so what do you do for the top piece? Um, it doesn't really need it. Oh. I've found that with, with the four supports on the sides and the one big support in the middle, which you can see there, at the, yeah, that one in the middle, the one at the bottom of the picture, bottom middle, that big long black piece, that's that's one of the main supports that Ed supplies, and that sticks on, and that, that holds the keyboard in place quite solidly. Um, so by the time you've got the other four 
at, at the sides plus that one at the bottom, the keyboard is actually in very firmly. It's not going anywhere. So um, you don't I actually have to mean, put the black grommets on. No, 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 no. Any any rubber grommets or whatever that are on the edges of, of those supports need to be taken off before the keyboard's okay. put in. Gotcha. Um, then it fits in nicely. So, okay. But it's and, in very, very solidly, and with the case screwed in together, holding it down, it's not going anywhere. It's it's solid. Very cool. Yeah, and the markings. I mean, the laser etching. You can see there. Um, if I go closer. The the markings on the things are just superb. Really, really. You know, Ed's basically marked these with a laser, and he moves the keyboard one at a time to do it. It's quite an intensive process. Yeah. But. Uh, and you've intentionally yeah. left your break key blank, so there is nothing written on there. It's just your red key. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There is a, a lighter red that Ed's using now that he can actually etch the word break or whatever else you want on it. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, yeah, this, uh, I mean, you know, it's pretty obvious red means stop or break. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ed, actually, the, the first versions of it he did without um, etching the arrows on the arrow keys. Uh, because the arrow keys are in an arrangement there that's pretty yeah. self-evident. Yeah. Uh, and that's an interesting look, but I actually prefer it with the, with the arrows on them. Me too. Yeah. If you really wanted to screw with people, you could just not print anything on the keys, and it's just like, dude, figure it out, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the economy keyboard, it comes with a Sharpie. You could actually draw in your own letters and symbols. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that would go well at VCF, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's that? I'd like uh, the circle R letters. I'd like the circle R Radio Shack symbol on the break. Oh yeah, the little R. Yeah, that would well, be Ed cool. actually, Ed is actually taking. He, he will print a custom thing if you supply him with a bitmap file for the actual what you want on the key he'll actually he, he, he said it's theoretically possible or not theoretically it's possible to actually print anything you want on any key my um, face on the break key <laughs> bang 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we did actually do one you'll probably see it in the news segment coming up but there's there's some photos that have been posted on um, on the Coco Facebook group of um, the break key with a Cylon on it, which is kind of appropriate for Ed. Yeah, uh, we're being <laughs> asked. We're being asked if the home keys have the nipples on them. The uh, H and J. Yes. H and J. Yes, yeah. they do. Yes, okay. they do. Nice. I okay. didn't have to check that. But yeah, they do. Yeah. So the home keys check. do have nipples on them, Curtis. He's calling them pips, but I believe a, I, I believe is they're is actually there a line called through nipples. the seven and a line through the Z. The F and the J are the ones that are usually got the little mark underneath. I don't know if yeah, you can see that, yeah. but they're really close. Um, well, move your finger out of the way so we can see it. Yeah, I'm just pointing. Oh, you're yeah, pointing so. to it. Yeah. It is kind of hard to see with the light, yeah. Um, yeah, but it is, they are there. I can assure you they are there. So just on those two ah, keys on the F and the J. Okay. So there is no line through the Z, and there is no line through the 7. And there's no line through the 0 either. You probably can oh. get them uh, customized. Yeah. I did. Oh yeah, no, there's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And they should write out the word Z on the Z key too, just so you know that's the Z key. Um, Can you get that in Comic Sans? <laughs> I, want, oh, no. I want mine in Web Dings. Web Dings. <laughs> Talk about ciphering, right? Um, we're being asked: Can the keycaps come off? And I believe the answer is yes. But do you need yes. a special tool to replace the to snap the keycaps on and off or anything or? 
Yeah, I don't know whether you actually need the special tool, but Ed has supplied me with a tool to do that because I've got blue keycaps for the arrows if I decide I want to go that way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I have actually got the tool here for it, and yes, the keycaps do come off. Uh, one other question here. Um, will the white yellow evenly with the case? I don't know, but the yellow might white if you put it in this. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, but um, will it? Yeah, will it? Will it uh, need retrobriding in thirty years? Well, we'll have to wait thirty more years to see. But that time, the cocoa shell will be ash, and the keys will need to be put out in the sun for a little while. So, uh, <laughs> right next to Ron's urn. <laughs> now, I thought I read somewhere that it actually said that you you should put all your uh, case screws in. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it does really? specifically. Yeah. It does suggest yeah. to stabilize the keyboard. Right. So, yeah. so in your defense of having all having all the screws in your case, you're no cocoa owner. If your if your computer is screwed together, you're not a cocoa owner. Mine's got a quick release hood. I can just pick it up and, and get to the guts at any time. My so. cocoa three doesn't even have a top on it, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> no, but Here's one of my other Cocoa ones. It's got no screws in it. Yeah. Here's another Cocoa one. It's actually, that, nope. that's the one I've got. That's, that needs another keyboard, and it needs a, uh, a, a video chip at the moment. The video chip's died in that one. Um, yeah, I have a Cocoa one with no screws that I got uh, in one of my, and it doesn't work either, but it was, and it was a freebie, so no biggie. Yeah, and the other end, we saw it on a couple of other episodes, but that's yeah. my... Uh, oh, is that that Cocoa 4 product, prototype? <laughs> <laughs> So I've got a multi keyboard sitting in that at the yeah. moment just to see how it works. Retro yeah. Innovation says don't have a screw loose. Now we've got a real <laughs> troll here. So Grant tried there and failed. Is. So we got a real There's troll the here. Professional. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very cool stuff. Real so yeah, that's that's uh, that that uh, Coco now. My uh, Coco three is now fully hot rodded. It's got the uh, the Coco SDC. It's got a uh, Mega Mini MPI. It's got Ed Snyder's um, Coco Mac keyboard. And it's got two meg of uh, boys and tech uh, um, uh, boomerang RAM. Um, the only thing that's missing now, and it's going to be added shortly as soon as Ed releases, is the Gimme X. Yeah. So, so there is a question from uh, Ryan Winter. Are there adapters to convert the Coco Mylar connection to USB or PS2? And that answer is yes. I'll switch to my camera real quick just to show you. I don't know how mass-produced this project is, but do I have... Um, so what I have here is I bought this from Chris Hawks at, at, uh, at CocoFest, but it basically is a ribbon cable that will accept your Coco Mylar connection. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, wow, I never thought I'd have such a hard time reaching into a bag in my life. Um... I have receipts and crap inside the back. So yeah, it kind of looks like this. So this is where you would plug in your Coco Mylar connection, your keyboard connection, and then the output from this um, actually outputs to a kind of a micro USB. And so this would convert uh, a, co a physical Coco keyboard into a USB keyboard that you could use on a Raspberry Pi or emulator. So if you're replacing your old Coco 3 keyboards with your new Ed Snyder mechanical keyboards, you could then take your old Coco 3 keyboard and plug it into a Raspberry Pi or, or use it for an emulator, things like that. So um, the answer to the question is yes. Um, so it's Chris Hawk from Hawk Soft. 
is the guy who makes this. I'm not sure how many he makes or how often he makes them. You can definitely reach Chris Hawks um, on the color computer mailing list or from probably from the Glenside color computer website, glensideccc.com. Uh, he's on the mailing list. I don't know. I don't know if he's on Facebook, but he's reachable. Is there, is there electronics on that cable that the, converts things? Yeah, there's some type of little Arduino or something in here that does that. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So it's translated yeah. already. Yeah. Yeah, it'd have to be to, to do the conversion, the actual, uh, the, the, the protocol conversion. What did that cost? Uh, I think I bought it for, uh, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was $35 or something. I don't know. Um, mm. But it's something that he has made in the past. And just, just so you guys know, too, so Chris Hawks is the first one to kind of come up with the genesis of what we now call the Cocoa Pie Project. So Chris Hawks was one of the first people to have a Raspberry Pi running a Cocoa emulator. And for many years at Cocoa Fest, he's been running a demo where he's got a Cocoa 3 case with the Raspberry Pi inside, and it's actually got the Cocoa 3 keyboard on it. So it looks like you're using a Cocoa 3, but it's actually running um, a Raspberry Pi. So that was the genesis for the project that Ron Klein has just kind of been taking and refining. Oh. That is now the Cocoa Pie project. So, um, Is that that real tall dude? Uh, he's kind of tall. He's got a white beard, and he has yeah. like, a, like a, a lab coat with like 400 buttons and pins on it and stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah that's Chris Hawks. So... Um, so, so would you, would you overall say you're very pleased with the keyboard, David O'Connor? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's it, not just pleased. I'm delighted with it. It's, um, like I said, the, the Coco 2 keyboard's got quite a good feel to it. The one of, that's in my original, uh, Coco 1. Um, but this is on another level. It's just, it and it's really not terribly good. noisy. I know some no, people, some people like the sounds as well as the tactileness, but it's not as loud as like your F-type connector, like the Mark Overholzer has, uh, Type F IBM, but um, but it probably, probably feels no nearly as good, right? Noise-wise, I would say it would be on a par with the Coco Two keyboard. It's slightly clickier because they're proper mechanical switches in it. Mm -hmm. um, but noise-wise, yeah, I would say it'd be almost almost the same level-wise as you know noise-wise. Mm. So Coco when you when itself. you push a key on on these, you actually have a contact that's going to get like that right yep 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 it's a proper switch that's like it's a mechanical switch so it's yeah. it's it you have that kind of springy tactileness of the switch but you also yeah, have the I'm benefit really... that these switches could be replaced so if a single key switch went bad you could replace that one switch unlike right now with the mylar where if something goes bad in the mylar you've got to pretty much throw the keyboard away yeah, on the bottom side of the keyboard on this, you've actually got direct access to the solder connections, um, so you can you can literally unsolder them and replace them. So if I get the mic really close, see if I can get that close, and if I press it quietly, you'll actually hear it click. Yeah. You know, yeah. That you sounds need, like a, it sounds like a muted version of David Ladd's blinker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who had the pleasure of hearing David Ladd's blinker on Zoom or Discord, you know what we're talking about. Um, David Ladd and his turn signal orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a beauty of a look in the cocoa there, especially if your little LED mod on there too. So you've got your little power light on the side. Yes, little light there. And the only other thing I need to do is, and I'm onto this. Um, Carlos Camacho is doing uh, these the badges. badges. Yeah. So, to get a 2048k yeah. double badge going yeah. 
Yeah, and and uh, and uh, Mike Rowan and Cloud Nine are also selling a badge similar to yours, which is the metal kind of embossed or engraved one. So there are the original kind of Tandy metal style ones that you can get from um, um, uh, Mike Rowan uh, or and or Cloud Nine. But then there's also the ones that that Carlos is making, which are more like the dome co- uh, covered badges that were on the Coco ones, like that wide rectangular, almost like space bar looking badge that was either left or center on the Coco one. He's got those yep. for the Coco three. So it's kind of the clear dome top badge. So I'm sure different people will have different preferences, but there are a few choices there when it comes to those badges. So, Yeah, yeah. and Carlos is doing, uh, um, with the memory allocations, he's doing uh, any of the memory allocations for the Coco 3 as well. And yeah. also the 2 meg one, he does in ones that say 2 megabytes or they say 2048K. Yeah. Um, I personally prefer the 2048K one, I think. It's, it's, like, it's like people with little children. How old is your little child? Oh, he is uh, 18 months, right? No, he's a year and a half, right? So it's all how you look at it. 2,048K sounds better than two megabytes. Same stuff, right? So, <laughs> you know, yeah. just take a look. Like, take a look at this picture and think of uh, when 86, when their cocoa first came out. If somebody from the future came back and said, "Look at this," yeah, you're going, yeah. wow, you yeah. would just flip yeah. out. It's only going to take. I mean, it's only going to take 40 years, but this computer will get <laughs> a good keyboard. Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> and multi-pack. And SDC. Hang, Hang in, in there. that Donkey Kong port. Yeah. We'll fly your car to Radio Shack and you'll be able to get a... <laughs> yeah, about that Radio Shack thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better get those free batteries now. <laughs> well, that's probably a good segue as we get into the news of things, because we do. there are a number of... Um, there are a number of articles uh, relating to uh, the, the new Coco keyboard. Everybody who's getting them is posting their pictures on Facebook this week. But I thought I would start off with some MC10 news. Uh, we're going to cover some MT, MC10 stuff, some Dragon stuff, and some Coco stuff. So I'm not a sure. New keyboard for the MC10? Uh, there is a brand new keyboard for the MC10, yes. But, MC10. Yeah, so this was, uh, this was a, a thing. I'm not sure how new this is, but I just came across. It's from June 15th, so this is hot off the press. But, uh, and, but at, at the speed of things get posted in the MC10 group, this is like one of the top four um, recent articles. So other than Jim Gary's five games a week that he puts out. But um, so our good friend uh, Roger uh, Perea uh, was mentioning uh, an article in Rainbow when they were first talking about the MC10, and they tried to come up with a coining a phrase where they were going to call this the Poco Coco, and he was just kind of uh, commenting on the use of the Spanish language and the in the interpretation of it. So Poco is not really re- referring to size, but more to quantity. So if you say you have a small amount of something, like I, I grew up in Miami, and there's a very old saying in Miami, when you say, how's it going? They say, mucho, uh, mucho trabajo, poco dinero. It means I'm working a lot, but I'm not making a lot, right? So poco usually means not a lot, not a lot of money, but poco doesn't mean small in size. So we said it was a kind of a poor choice in words, but it was made by a non-Spanish-speaking person. So so there was a movement or a suggestion to call the MC-10 the Poco Coco. You, you know how well that caught on, right? How many of us have referred to the MC-10 as the Poco Coco, right? I think, What's I think, Spanish for doorstop? <laughs> exactly, El Doorstopo. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I came across that one. Uh, another Coco Coco. 
Yeah, Pico Coco. Pico would be, yeah, Pico is smaller. Like, um, so the, the cousin to the MC-10 is the Alice computer. And so here's a cool picture. And we don't see these all the time. And they, so this is the French um, MC-10. So this is the MC-10 that doesn't bathe has uh, armpit hair and and um, has an attitude ah. right so um, so ah. but the France now yes postcards too we're oh, sorry yeah. if, oh, if, sorry. if if any off color comments were made yeah. we're sorry um, so what are we doing here so next article it, are, are we, are we we're no longer spotlighted there on david so yeah we had david's face bright and center so yeah so this is kind of cool right and i don't know the actual um the, how it happened what the transition was how how we got to the alice i don't know if tandy when they when they got rid of the mc10 if they sold the designs to the company who made alice but um, so for those of you who are familiar with the MC-10 and your collector, this might be something you want to have in your collection. Notice it had the same memory upgrade in the back that the, uh, uh, the MC-10 did. And interestingly enough, too, there was, there was an adapter for this that, had, that gave it joysticks. I think John Linville had posted he had gotten that. I think John Linville has collected one of these. And um, the joystick adapter would plug into the memory port to give you joystick ports but it didn't give you any memory. So you had to give up the memory to get the joysticks. But so um, these are kind of uh, crown jewels of the MC-10 collectors, I would assume. And honestly, I wouldn't mind having one. If I came across one, I would get it if it was reasonably priced. I don't think I would spend $100, but I would spend maybe up to 100 to get one if I saw one myself. That's, but uh, whatever. You guys familiar with these? Anybody seen them? Anybody familiar with the Alice line of machines? Yes. I've yeah. just seen them online, and uh, you know, it's just like I have the MC10. It's like, but I always, I always go for the red one and stuff. So um, now I want the red one. I mean, this would be a I real. A red, I have a red hard drive, you know. Right, You'll right. Go far, Alice. You'll go. Yeah. Far. <laughs> <laughs> it would be real easy to take an MC because normal MC10s are relatively cheap, right? You can get. Uh, I'm not sure though, but if you had if you had a spare, maybe spray paint one red, and it's to make oh, a custom. Oh, can an MC10. That 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 sounds that sounds awesome. Can yeah. I? Can I, I want a I want a red printed case for my memory expansion for my MC10. Yeah, talk, contact John Strong. Right, exactly. exactly. Matra, right? You don't need the high-speed poke on a red MC10 because red ones go faster. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I could just put a racing stripe on my regular MC10. Yeah. Insurance costs are higher too, though. So this had microcolor basic, and it played that Pac-Man game, right? So that's actually a really good game. I I I played that. I I had that running at Coco Fest. Yep. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, yeah. this is this is really fun. It was a good thing. Uh, in our Dragon Group, our, our UK brethren, this was posted from Richard Atkinson. This is a mock-up of Mario using our two... This is like, you know, if you had to choose, what do I want to have? Um, you know, do I want to have brain cancer or colon cancer? This is like your choice of which of the two color palettes to choose from on the Cocos, right? So do you want ugly green or do you want ugly teal as your background color here? Uh, sorry, we didn't... sorry, Uncle Paul. I'm, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. <laughs> I mean, our, our, our color choices on the cocoa were just horrific. You know what I mean? It's like, but when you arrange them the right way, this actually looks halfway decent, right? 
So this look, especially the blue and yellow and red version, that looks very much like a Mario. Too bad we couldn't have a black background. So, but these were that we had four colors and we had two palette choices, and this this was them, right? Mario um, has jaundice. <laughs> jaundice. Yeah, he's got, got a <laughs> liver condition. Never forget. Yeah, the one on the right is when he's shocked. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't even know if. Um, I'm not sure. No. So these wouldn't translate the same because green is color zero and the white is color zero here. So yes. you couldn't just do a screen shift and get this one. These were actually re redrawn of different. So you couldn't just automatically do the screen shift to change these two different colors. Um, but it, it's kind of like Puyin. Puyin did a good job on with using the color set on the right with the purple and the orange and the green and the white. These are colors that just don't in nature occur naturally um but somehow the cocoa used them and if you use them well you can make good use of it i think this is a cool exercise and what you can do with the limited palette uh, i think the one on the left probably looks closest to the arcade um uh, rob, rob inman's yeah. being a little delirious on his comment there Green <laughs> As he's like, Pac-Man on the MC-10 is the technological achievement of the moon landing. That's that's not necessarily nice yeah. to say that. So, <laughs> um, but uh, so a cool picture, right? So this gives you some ideas. And actually, as Mark Overholzer was mentioning at the top of the show, um, <laughs> Mario as Puyen looks fine. Matchy says, um, Mark, um, where was I going with this? I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, the game that we were playing at. Um, at a VCF West, so Steve Steve Bamford's game, on a green background, it still worked well, and people saw it and recognized it as a Mario type game. So depending on how you use the colors, you can work with the green background. It's just not a normal background most people would use for anything that wasn't a sports game. You know, usually you think green for grass, but unfortunately, green was our zero color. Our background color was green, and that's what we had to work with. Um, but cool, cool little mock-up on something to do there. Um, green, is, green, green is color one, by the way, not zero. Zero is black. Well, no, in the in the four color mode, it's color zero. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Um, apologies. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Chris Poacher posted picture in the Dragon Group. Uh, so Micro Deal was like the big company, right, for the Dragon. I, I gather, right. Almost everything was rebranded as sold through Micro Deal. And so here's a picture of him getting his. Uh, now here, the Dragon MMC. I'm not super familiar with this. This is kind of like the Coco SDC for the Dragon, right? Um, but I think it also does cassette files as well as disc images. I kind of sort of know enough to be dangerous. Who else knows about the uh, the Dragon MMC? Anyone? MM stands for Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> which is very british yes yes yeah but obviously you can see there's an sd card here and he's loading something off the sd card now i don't know if he's loading this as a disc image or a cassette image um but um that's a, that's a cool picture right so he's loading up uh some stuff on the dragon that um, so i'm assuming this is similar to the coco sdc but not exactly the same right so I kind of pulled up that picture. I thought that was kind of cool looking. I, I mean, I'm actually interested in this because I do have a dragon. And I, one of these days I'm going to unbox it and uh, I'd like to know what to do with it. So um, cool stuff. We can put uh, cocoa cartridges in it. Yeah, I think you possibly can. Here's an, here, now here's another one here too. So this is a nice, this is a crossover. Yeah. 
So this is a dragon with audio spectrum analyzer. Yeah, cool. And the music's actually coming off of a cassette. So very analog. How do you want a dragon in North America? Oh, well, this is this is the dragon group. These guys are in UK. No, you have a dragon. You said. Ah, right? uh, yeah, I have a Tano dragon, which is the the U.S. version of it. Oh, there's. He has the Radio Shack sticker on there. Oh. Okay. He did. Yeah. Let's go back to that. How do I go back to that? That was kind of a hybrid uh, picture. You yeah, he's got. He's got. Uh, I don't know. Uh, ask me if I care. It's a more important question. Um, <laughs> do you care? Negative Ghost Rider. So, so obviously, no audio, West End girls. No West End girls here. So here's our cassette playing the music, and then somebody noticed here too. Yeah, he's got a Radio Shack sticker on his Dragon label there, right? All right. So, anyways, I thought that was kind of cool. And so the uh, very cool. The caption for this was: uh, Could this get to be any more '80s? Right. So you're playing a cassette tape on your 8-bit system. Running audio spectrum analyzer. Cool stuff, right? Yep. Uh, so, Paul Shoemaker, who, as you know, re recently brought us Dungeon Crawl, which was kind of a Telengard-inspired game for the Coco, um, uh, is, looks like he's working on a mock-up of Castle Wolfenstein. So this is our tease here, right? Can I make this any bigger? That's what she said. Uh, Castle Wolfenstein. Yeah, so we've got artifact colors here. Right, so we got some blues and uh, blacks and whites here, and that looks good. I don't know if right now if this is just strictly a mock-up of the title screen, if he's begun any um, pre-production of the program or not. Uh, let's see what other the comments here say. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what do you do? I was asking. I don't know. I, this is going to require me to read. I don't feel like reading right now. But anyways, you're going to see here there's a picture of this, and this looks cool. So if if this is a tease of what's to come, if we get an original, because um, Castle Wolfenstein, I think, debuted on the Atari, and it was kind of, wasn't it like a top-down game, Mark Overholzer, where you're looking down yeah. at things? Actually, yeah. the Apple was on the Atari. I mean, I, I, said, I meant to say Apple. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it, it debuted on, um, on the Apple. Apple, too. And it was kind of uh, 2D, top-down, top you move from room to room yeah. um, type game before it became Wolfenstein 3D and everything yeah. else. So, um, yeah, so actually, the guys who did that were big fans. Four of the Three of the four programmers that did Wolfenstein 3D were Apple programmers. And so that's the game they liked. And so they wanted to do a, a modern version of it. An yeah. homage. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So speaking of badges, so badges, we don't need no stinking badges. So this is Eric Canales of the uh, Glenside Color Computer Club, uh, all around nice guy. So he's actually got two different badges here. He's got, as we mentioned, th this is the Carlos Camacho version of the badge. This has got the kind of the clear dome top. I still think it's a metal uh, badge underneath there, but it's got the kind of the glossy overcoat. So there's one that says two megabytes or two MBs, and there's one that says 2048K. So depending on how you want to tell the world what's under the hood, what's in your wallet on your Coco 3, here are your choices here. Um, and it looks cool. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys like the glossy dome type badge, or do you guys like the flat metal plate badge? Yeah. I like the glossy itself, personally. Which, what's that? I, I heard David, what were you saying? So I, I like the glossy one, the, the, the Coco One style one, personally. 
Yeah, it is preference. Uh, what do you like, Rondelva? Yes. You like them both? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think I, I think I'm a little particular to the uh, the metal one just because it looks more like the factory stock one. But yeah. if I was to get a badge for a Coco One, I would want it to look look like the Coco yeah. One. <clears throat> After you put your um, new MPI on and your new keyboard, you can freaking do a different kind of label, right? Yeah, you, might as well. They, they look nothing Absolutely. like them. Right, really it's well. basically like a like my like a custom car at this point, right? You've changed your grill and your headlights and your tail lights and your running lights and everything else, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what what was I going to say? I don't remember. Um, it is kind of preference, but the nice thing too is, as we'll see in the next picture, I think Carlos has pictures of the various badges that he offers. So there are badges that color that he offers that never existed just like there was never a badge that tandy offered that said 512k for the 512k coco and there was never a badge for two megs obviously because tandy didn't make a two meg board i don't think there was a 64k badge like this right and i'm not sure that there was an official 64k square memory badge i know there was like the 16k the 8k the 32k remember the square badges that went in the corner of the silver cocos um and they, they did away with those badges after a while right here yeah, I don't know if there was ever an official Coco 64K badge, but I know there were 64K badges from the Model 3s and Model 4 TRS-80 lines that are floating around eBay and stuff that are the same size, but I don't know that they made one for the Coco. But I think Carlos has those. So Carlos has got Color Computer 2, um, and these ones say Radio Shack TRS-80. Um but I think he's got some of the square ones, too. I thought they were in these pictures. But you can kind of see from the different angles here, they are kind of got the kind of clear domey thing on top of them, right? So He does actually, yeah, he does have um, the square badges, too. That was one of the first things he was working on. Yeah. Um, the Tandy did actually make a uh, 64K square badge, but I don't think they made it for the uh, Coco 1. I actually do have one here. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, th I think that was probably for a Model Three or Four. It was, and I've got but, one. But but technically, actually, it would have it would have fit. It's the same size. Yeah, and it's a it's got the glossy double coat over the top of it as well. I've yeah. got one here in a packet that hasn't been opened yet. Ah, neat, 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 neat. Mm. So this is some picture of 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 Carlos's badge. So Carlos's badges can be released from the ColorComputerStore.com, I think. Um, Nick, Nick Marionettes says he thinks there was a 64K badge, and maybe there was one in Australia. I don't know if there's one in the U.S., but I'm not sure. And in and, and, and a way, it kind of doesn't matter because there's only a few sources you can get new badges from now. And so uh, Carlos Camacho and the Color Computer Store is one source, and I believe Mike Rowan is another source for badges. So here we go. This week, there were a lot of people posting pictures of their Coco Mech keyboards. So this is one from Rob Heil. And he's got a similar color set to uh, what uh, you have, David O'Connor. And it looks like he's got the Cylon on his brake key. He's actually got yeah. and that. And that, to, that to, from this distance, it looks like Bender from Futurama. It's kind of hard to tell. But, uh, um, yeah. And I, I like the dark key. Well, his is actually not exactly the same because he's got some dark keys. He's got, like, three different shades here. You had, what, yeah. white, gray, and light gray, right? So this isn't yeah. exactly the same as yours. 
Yeah, no, the, the enter and the shift key on that one are the light grey and the arrows are white, whereas the enter and the shift key are dark on mine and the arrows yeah. are light grey. Yeah, there's just so many freaking color combinations now for these keyboards. Um, and, uh, and so he has what looks like the triad memory board there because you got that little that yep. little slash thing there. And then there is his, uh, there's his keyboard. So yeah, there's been a handful of people posting, a lot of happy people with their new keyboards as of late. Here's one from Blair Ledoux. And I believe he's got one more closer to yours. Is this closer to yours yeah. here, Dave? Well, mine's got mine with the all the uh, the clear enter shift function keys, alt and control are all dark gray on mine. Ah, yeah, yeah. So actually, this 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 medium gray is closer to the color of the cocoa. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to mix and match your key colors. And uh, Blair Leduc, his, his key is looking pretty good there, right? So yeah, then, good. then we have Michael Brandt, our very own Qui-Gon is here, and he's got the blue keys. So he's got the white highlight keys, the kind of light gray main keys, a red break key. I don't think there's anything on his break key. And he's got the blue arrow keys, which are interesting. They look very oh. kind of BBC to me, these blue Patriotic. keys. Patriotic. Yeah, red, white, and blue. The, light, the, the, the main keys on this one actually suit the case, the, 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 the slightly yellowed case, so it makes it look like it's meant to be that way. Yeah, too. yeah, it kind of matches the, the Cocoa case cover. That is true. No more yeah. retrobrite for him. Right. <laughs> right, and then here's David O'Connor, which we've seen your keyboard now, so we don't probably have to show this off again. That was there yours. There is one that you haven't seen. I've put, the, I've put that keyboard in my Cocoa 1 there. If you go to the right ah, top. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I just sat it inside the Coco One to see how it looked. I think it looks great. Yeah. Hey, Sean Ernst is out there. Hey, Sean. Yeah, that does look good in a Coco One. That bright white now, the contrast off of the kind of dark with the black and silver here, that that yep, really yep. pops. Those keys pop now on that. So that is yep. kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah, that is cool. Well, there's going to be a lot of extra keyboards floating around now, huh? Right. That is true. Right. So here, Paul Shoemaker posted something saying, Something about the sound of a dot matrix printer puts a smile on my face. So we're going to hear this. Coco serial to parallel interface. Here's the printer. Tandy DMP125. Couldn't tell the shadow was blocking it. Music to our ears, right? Those listening to the podcast will really appreciate this. Ow. That's a modern printer compared to my line printer seven. <laughs> Don't make me fire up the TP ten. I'll plug, I'll sample that and plug it into my little converter board and see what it does with the modulus. Oh wow, yeah. And we got a That'd bunch of a bunch of pictures from VCF West from last weekend. Here's Mark Overhose. Speaking of Steve Banford's game, the very Mario-esque style game on a green background that doesn't look horrible. If done well, we can take that limited color set and, and make it look well. So, um, yeah, a bunch of postings of VCF West on the Facebook group. I need to download these and add them to our little slideshow here on the show. Um, I don't know why Facebook is buffering on the images right now. So here's another picture here. Here is that looks like Rob Inman behind part of our display. When I say our display, their display that they set up last week. You can see well, here all the signs. Stack keyboard. 
Was there a Coco mech on display at VCF West? I don't remember. Uh, no, we did not have one of those. Okay. So very nice display showing your colors. Um, another uh, from the VCF West showing off uh, Chet Digger, Simpson's uh, Digger 3 on the Coco 3. Nice hardware scrolling, smooth scrolling, cool game. Uh, and then we've got a handful of YouTube videos. So Jim Gary, uh, never, uh, you know, never to disappoint releasing more and more products for the MC 10. This looks like a, uh, breakout style game in stunning low resolution. Blinding fast. Yes. Nightmare. Digital to, digital to analog converted sound. Yes. So another release from Jim Gary. Jim Gary just keeps them coming. Also so from the could, Jim Gary. Go ahead, Ron. David, you could you could port uh, these uh, sounds from an MC10 too. Yeah, yeah, it'll work with any any single note at a time audio source. Yep. All right. Another yeah, hit for yeah, another hit from Jim Gary here. I believe this is a random maze generator. And this will just gen just randomly generate what is possibly a maze, although because it's random, I don't know that it's fully navigatable. But this was one line of code that looks like it's just drawing out an endless maze-like display. That's kind of cool, like for a screensaver or something, right? Yeah, that's cool. All right. So it's got almost a 3D sort of look to it, too. Yeah, yeah. All right. So this is uh, Amigos Retro Gaming. So they're going to be talking about Dragon 32, 64, Coco, Indoor Football, and Backtrack. So I guess they're going to be reviewing some of these games. And I don't want to um, get into any copyright stuff or anything else. So I'll just let's just see if we can scroll through here. Uh, okay, let's see what they're going to show. UK or Europe. For the uh, Project Sam. The uh, I think we showed off some of these the other day, the too, right? Code name for it was. I'm going to go with Scorpion. No, that's a good name, though. No, ironically and amazingly, it was the Pippin. Okay, so they're showing off games. Uh, no, that one I haven't tried yet. Have you tried right. that one? Not on, no, not on. This might be similar to some of the stuff that we were showing off last week, like the top 25 shoot 'em ups for the Dragon. So they're doing a, a review. But one of the games on here that looked good was an indoor soccer, right? This one looks really the, good. The uh, bounce value, the ball, <laughs> yeah. it also has a look, look at the graphics here. On how, how That's bounce cool. That is yeah. randomly generated. Um, so that indoor soccer, indoor football. Interesting to play this game. So, yeah, there's a, there's a link to this in the description of this video if you want to check out that YouTube video. So this is coming from Amigos Retro Gaming. They're reviewing some games on the Dragon and Coco. So cool stuff. Um, another cool video here. So this is, uh, I want to make sure I can read the name here properly. Yeah, I, I think it's Noriko. I, I don't want to butcher the name, so I'm not going to try to mispronounce it. But she's been doing a lot of um, text adventure playthroughs. And in this video here, we're going to be looking at Scott Adams' Grand Adventure Number 6, Strange Odyssey, text adventure on the Coco 3. So I'm not sure how much this is to look at, but you, usually these videos start off with a little bit of a history and an introduction to the game, a little bit of a backstory, and then it's an actual playthrough. So this is kind of a long play uh, if you want to see this entire text adventure played through. So I won't spoil it for you, but I think in the end the butler did it. So link to this in the description too if you want to check that out. Um, and then we have here... 
Nathaniel Lockhart says, a little experiment I did loading a game from my reel-to-reel -reel tape player onto my Tandy Color computer. So I just wanted to show off real quick uh, something I've been messing around with here on my uh, TRS-80 Color Computer 2, 64K, maxed out. Um, the, uh, one of the main ways it takes in programs is through audio cassettes. So here so we have reel to reel. Uh, <laughs> guy here at a local radio swap meet. Because I didn't want to, you know, buy a full reel just to... I all hooked up. The uh, picture on this is terrible. Probably got to replace, like, some caps or something. That's not bad for RF, honestly. Or maybe even just get a uh, AV kit. But, uh, so yeah, I have I, I have this guy uh, hooked up. Oh, there's the joystick I made. Okay. Uh, this guy hooked up here to my... Um, right, so get to the part where he's loading the enter. stuff. All right. It shows the prompt. Now let's move back over here. And let's do play. Oh, he has to manually and flip the... This is on uh, 1 and 7 eighths inch per second on tape speed. I was doing some experiments on this earlier. And uh, see, there it goes. It's loading. Pack I was doing pack. some experiments on this earlier where I was using... Um, the higher tape speeds of seven and a half inches per second and three and three quarters. It's looking like to exact, and it didn't work. There you go. There you go. It's back uh, All right, so you know we're used to loading things off of a normal cassette player. So this was an experiment. Can I do it off of reel to reel? And the answer is yes. So kind of cool, right? That's pretty vintage when you think about it. This is That's more... what you call keeping it real. <laughs> oh. Hi, oh. That, um, by way of just um, a little bit of talking about vintage and talking about nostalgia, that reel-to-reel -reel deck there is actually an Akai deck. And those two levers, the, the, the play and record lever is the first one, fast forward and rewinds the second lever. The very first reel-to-reel -reel that I ever used in the early 80s when I was getting right into analog synthesizers and had the Juno 106, oh, sorry, the, the Juno 6, was the pre predecessor to that reel-to-reel. -reel. It was an Akai 4000DS, and it had exactly the same levers. And, and yeah, so when I spotted that on there, that brought back fond memories, and I actually posted a comment in, on his thing on Facebook there about it. Okay. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's that, neat, that, right? Reel-to-reel. -reel yeah, very cool, dude. That did. Yeah, Ben Drake says this is real to real cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, the, by the way, for those of you not aware, we're doing a Coco Controls Moog today on Coco Talk. If anybody's interested in tuning in for that later on, um, so that's that was that event I created. Uh, here's your pictures. Now there was something else in Discord I need to pull up, which was Matchy's. Uh, a little visual of Matchy's program that he's working on. Where did it go? Where did it go? Here we go. Um, so this is something that uh, Matchy's working on in Coco, And this reminds me of that game. I was mentioning that it would be cool to have this game I saw on the smartphone. Where everybody's got the games where you're falling. So you got the downfall and the farfall and the waterfall. A lot of falling games. But there's a smartphone game where you have to actually go up. And this looks like a Coco version of that style game. The, the never-ending jump-up game. This looks like this is in a pretty cool semi-graphics mode. Um, and oh, we, can, cool. we can see from the speeds here, it's pretty quick. And it looks very pixely. So it looks very, you know, retro-graded, 8-bit-ish, pixel-arty. 
And uh, obviously with this mode here, you have more colors than those two horrific screens we looked at before with the two shades of Mario, right? So this is a nine color mode or in, in, in the right hands, this could be an 11 color mode uh, if you're using the orange palettes on top of that, right? Doodle jump clone. Yeah, is what Matchy's saying. Yeah. So uh, that was what the game is called is Doodle Jump. I didn't even remember the name of the game. I just remember seeing it. And I thought it was cool because everybody's got games where you go down. I like the idea of going up. And then if you miss, you fall. Um, so yeah, very cool. Now, is this an actual game game or is this kind of like a pre-programmed demo, Matchy? Um, uh, we'll wait for him to respond to that. But yeah, so this is a clone of Doodle Jump, and I don't know if this is actual gameplay or if maybe this is just like a, a demo, a pre-programmed. I love that rocket pack on the back. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's neat, right? So I would love to see this and play this. Um, and um, yeah, looks very, very cool. So mm. um, yeah, cool stuff. So I think that's all I had uh, for news this week. Um, if it's possible that I missed something. But I think we've covered a lot of news this week, and I think we've had a lot of show today. We're coming up on two and a half hours, so um, I, I don't know what else to talk about today. I think we've said a lot. We've done a lot. Um, so I'll, I'm going to turn it to the panel and to the audience. What else would we like to discuss right now? Please, not there's, everyone at once. There's a lot of stuff on Show Me Your uh, Color Computer. A bunch of people have posted on that. Um, you want to bring that up? I'm going to see if I can find that right now. Show us your candies. Yes. Yep. Show us, and that is the actual name of the group, ladies and gentlemen. Let me switch back over here to news real quick. So the group is called Show Us Your Tandy color computer and it is created by none other than than ron delvo this is one of about 1900 different facebook groups that ron has created um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I could show you my tandy color computer here it's yes uh, it's uh it's it's topless and it's beautiful all right so we've seen some of these david o'connor pictures we've just seen the um the picture of wolfenstein and here is a picture of Brian Weasler showing off some bins that you can buy if you want to store cocoa. So this is a uh, Sterilite. Sterilite Starbright. He's got cocoa Tetris going on there with cocos. No, yeah, so that, yeah. that's that's the that's the container you want to get when you go to the home improvement store for for uh, any cocoa cocoa enthusiast right. or, or as I've been called hoarder. Right here's Ron Delvo showing off. Uh, what is? What no, are we looking at here? That's not. That's not you. That's not me. Okay, Scott Carter's retro corner. Right. Okay, I see. Look at how organized. Yeah, puts me to shame. A bunch of cocoa twos and threes on the on the yeah on the model. Uh, yeah, it's a TRS eighty. I don't know what this one here is. It looks like a freaking cash register. I'm not sure what the hell that is. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if that's a Brazilian clone or something, for all I know. Maybe. And a model three next to it. Yeah. The looks of it. So yeah, this is a, there's uh, there's David's keyboard pictures. Here is Chris Poacher posting some of his pictures. He's a dragon guy in the dragon group. So he's got a cocoa and a cassette and some cartridges next to a dragon and a cassette. So um, yeah, Terry Steen. Terry Steen is that, here. That's Dungeons from uh, 
Kieran Anscombe. Oh yeah, Kieran Anscombe's Dungeons. I have the cassette of that. That's cool. Very nice. Chris Poacher, by the Chris Poacher, by the way, too. He's um. Well, I think we were talking about what keyboards I've got here that actually run off the 6809 CPU, and my and Mirage runs off a uh, runs a CPU a 6809 CPU. That Insonic Mirage has also got a floppy emulator kit in it, which has got a USB stick, which has got all the floppy drives on it, and that was supplied by Chris Poacher. Ah, cool. Yeah, I know he's an analog synth guy too, right? So, yep, yep, yep. And so this is a picture of an, a vehicle that Alan Huffman had at one point in time in history where he actually had a bumper sticker that says, I love my MM1, right? So um, you get points with us. I'm not sure how many points you get with the ladies for having a bumper sticker like that, <laughs> but you definitely get you get points with us, right, for having that, for whatever that's worth. And that stood for multimedia one. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, if you if so, that's another Facebook group. If you if you can't see enough cocoa on Facebook, you can check out Ron's Garage on Facebook. You can check out Show Us Your Tandy Color Computer on Facebook. Here's another one that Alan Huffman had on a storage bin. I love my cocoa. So Alan's definitely I support uh, OS nine. Yeah, I support OS nine. <laughs> I support yeah. OS nine. Yeah, it looks like six fifty. Yeah, six fifty, right? So. <laughs> Well, the first step is always admitting that you have a problem. All right, here's Ron Delvo showing <laughs> off his planetarium program on. Oh, there's one on the Tandy and one on the Coco. Yeah, and I took that. I converted it to black and white to make it look old. And someone said on there that uh, looks like an ad for um, Radio Shack. Yeah, it kind of does because of the perspective. It yeah. looks like it looks like Camera a vintage shot. vintage com- computer ad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. yeah, I agree. So, yeah, lots of stuff on the Show Us Your Tandy Color Computer um, um, page there. So check that out. If you're not a member, uh, ask nicely, and maybe Rondova will let you join. And and post your pictures. Show us your tandies, and you get some beads. When you show us your tandies, you get beads. right? So, David, you had another question from Richard Atkinson. It says, does the Insonic ESQ1 run a 6809? Or do you know? Uh, I think that ran a 68,000 from memory. I think they changed. I, I think it was only the Mirage that ran the 6809. I might be wrong there, but I'm I'm fairly sure that's the case. Right. All right. Well, what else, guys? Well, <clears throat> I think we should recap. Uh, in this show, we've named beards. We've named beards. What, and, what's what's uh, the what final else? name for David's beard? <laughs> the Zed? Yeah. Oh, I've got a, yeah. Um, ZZ bottom. ZZ bottom. So. <laughs> mm. Roadkill. Roadkill. Bronze is roadkill. I'll have to, we could run a competition. And I'll, I'll pick a winner and we can uh, yeah. maybe, I don't know. This, um, well, I'll, I'll my how about Mark <laughs> Underholzer? Yeah, underholzer. I have. I, I this this might be the first time where we've had a show where the panel size has remained consistent and the panel members have remained consistent the entire show. We usually have people kind of come and go, it kind of ebbs and flows, right? So it's been a panel of about a half dozen. So we've been a skeleton crew this week. Well, look but, at all this uh, green real estate. I, I have. know. I know. Look at this. I'm so, not like the size of a postage stamp. Yeah. 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 You, you can see what's going on in the background. You can see the five dollar U. You can see the Tandy assembly badge. Yes. Yeah, I got something on my nose. <laughs> so <Curse>. yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Thing is, thing is, we forgot to check to, to let anyone else in. 
Hey, I well, got, my I'm, cocoa. It, my cocoa three is topless. Oh, okay, Ron's getting a sandwich delivery. Oh, wow, right. it's not it's delivery. DiGiorno. <laughs> I didn't know there was a covered lunch with this. Yeah, Mrs. Ron. Hello, Hi, Mrs. Delvo. Yeah, Mrs. Delvo with the sandwich and uh, chips. Huh? Do you like. have enough sandwiches for everybody, Ron? She said, Mrs. Delvo, that's your mother. We, we, oh, okay. We got like 32 people watching us right now, plus the panel. So we're going to need about 40 sandwiches, Ron. Have you got that much? Can you? All right. Keep bringing them in, Ron. <laughs> just, just upload them by a rub. So Joe, Joe, Bur, Joe Burnett says you should name your beard Ensonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I end up with a, a, a rash under my on my chest. Uh, if you're experiencing a burning sensation, please consult your physician. Um, so cool. Have we have we beat this one to death? Have we? Yes, have, because have we, I have to eat. Ron has to eat. Okay. <laughs> Usually, Ron has to pee. So, it's all about Ron's natural functions yeah. that he needs to take care of. Right? Yes. Something going out. Yeah, Ron, you're welcome to hang up now. We might just continue talking for a few more okay. minutes. But we have, I'm not I'm not saying hang up. I'm saying you're I welcome to. Before you go, thank you for being here. We've enjoyed having you, Ron. Yeah, I do have one question. I have I have head. a question for Ron. Yes. What? what kind of sandwich is it and what what do you have there on the side? It's uh Swiss cheese and it looks like uh uh, oh, it's uh, corned beef. Corned beef. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Corned beef. And, and then what do you got? There's some yeah. chips. You have a, a red plastic. Uh, red plastic plate. Are these like your classic lay chips, just plain potato chips? Potato chips are crisps potato for chips. our international viewers. Real chips. Don't care for those ones that are all the same. You know what? Uh, like a, Like a Pringle. Pringle. <laughs> I'm sensing a new segment here. Yeah, no. I'm what is Ron having? What, what's for lunch? what's Ron having yeah. for lunch? Yeah. And after lunch, we're gonna play after what's. Lunch? Yeah, after lunch, <laughs> will be, we'll be what's in Ron's beard. Uh, so, <laughs> can you name that crumb? Uh, <laughs> this could be a, this could be a double flusher. <laughs> double flusher. <laughs> okay. Well, Ron, it's been nice having you. Oh, <laughs> good night. Check, please. Uh, <laughs> Take care, Ronnie. Um. All right. So, parting thoughts, uh, closing comments, anything else? Uh, Mark D. Overholzer. Any parting thoughts? Uh, glad to be here, like usual. And uh, it was a good, fun weekend last weekend, and it's been well, good as usual. Glad to yeah. see everybody. Yes. Yes. Well, we, Ron, we can't thank you, Ron. Um, Mark Overholzer, we can't thank you enough for being part of our Coco Consortium last week at VCF West and flying the Coco f colors and um, doing our, our system and our community proud. So thank you very much for doing that. Thank you. Uh, Jason, the Coco Man Rikerd, uh will be attending Tandy Assembly. Will there be any new products you'll be unveiling? Uh, we'll see. Uh, if I will, if I do, they'll probably be at VCF Midwest also. Okay. Well, I'm doing both. I'm, I'm doing the double-double. Double dipping, double down, double down, and and don't forget Nightmare Highway, twenty percent off. I Nightmare the promo Highway. Code is, the promo code is Division by Zero Air. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't have a new product, you'll have existing products for sale: boomerangs, I'll wallabies. I'll have, I'll have switcheroos. I'll have wallabies. Um, I might even have that. Uh, I might have something new-ish. Okay. Um, we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see. We'll see what the people want. 
How about I switch a wallaby a rule? Uh, who knows? All right. Mm. Mark Bosley, parting thoughts. Mm, no. Uh, on those badges, though, uh, they did make a 64K one. Uh, Nick uh, mentioned he had one. Uh, okay, Nick Marinsky's. And that's a that we move it over. Okay, so that's a that's a factory original. As far as I know, that's, okay, I acquired it with it had with, that badge. Okay, yeah, I I just don't know. Um, I, and listen, it's, it's it's possible. I don't remember seeing them, but listen, I didn't see everything. So, um, oh, so Ken Reichard says the promo code is slash dev slash null, right? Dev null, right? So there you go <laughs> uh, for you uh, Linux guys. I have you know. something. Mm. Something yes. on my forehead. All right. Just... So, so they may have existed. The 64k badges. I, I want. I, my gut tells me I don't know that there was a factory silver. Because by the time they were doing factory 64ks, we were in the white cocos. So I don't know that there was a. But maybe when you bought an upgrade, they had some of the badges that came with an upgrade. I don't ever remember seeing a stock new in box 64k silver cocoa. But um, those those badges may have still existed. So and obviously they existed in some form because Mark's got one. Uh, David O'Connor, thank you for showing off us all kinds of keyboards, Coco keyboards and musical keyboards and Coco's controlling keyboards. It was a treat for the ears and the eyes. Uh, thank you, sir. Well, it's been a uh, an absolute um, pleasure as usual and um, a bit of a experimental journey, which a modular synthesis always is. So yeah, it's yeah. And we look, we look forward to seeing and hearing more as your journey takes you further. And as you find out more things and do more things, would love to be <laughs> along for that ride. Uh, what the hell are you laughing at? Are you messing? Is it the mouse pointer? Is that saying there's something <laughs> on your nose? On I, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with Jason this whole freaking time? It it took Mark's giggling for me to really figure that out. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Subtlety does not play well with me. I apologize. So, um, are you better now, Jason? Jason, are you better? I, I feel better now. That okay. I, looks like I'm going to have to do something to the wall now. There. Okay. So no, 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 no more irritations. Okay. Oh, Jason himself. <laughs> Hi-oh. Now, just so you know, this is seldom known, but it it looks like it's pronounced moog. Because there's two O's there, but it's actually pronounced Moog, correct? Yeah, that's right. It, as in M O G U E. Yeah, um, that's how. Yeah, Moog that's like actually, rogue. Should yeah, the actual lot on that. The actual real pronunciation of it is something like Moch. Moch. Like oh, that. because it's, it's German or something, or sounds yeah, Klingon. That's romantic. Yeah, Klingon. Uh, Bob Moog actually spoke about it himself about the proper pronunciation, but he said most people pronounce it Moog, which is actually technically incorrect, but it didn't worry him at the time. But he said, if you really want to pronounce it the way his family pronounces it, it's pronounced Moog. Okay. Yeah. Oh, like Larry and, Moe. And, and they're they are somewhere in the Carolinas, I think, North or South Carolina, because a guy who used to work for me, I managed him. He ended up getting a job there, and I had to be kind of like one of his references. So on I, I, two different occasions, I was on the phone with people from the Moog plant somewhere in one of the Carolinas vouching for this guy. So that's my connection to Moog, um, is that I have a friend of mine who I used to work with that I have vouched for twice. When he got his job and when he got his promotion, I was a character reference for him on two occasions. So um, Dutch is what Richard Atkinson says. Uh, uh, the, the, yeah. Right, he's right. That's correct. Okay, yep. soft G, Moog. 
All right. Yep. So, anywho, uh, we're going to pronounce it as we do. But thank you, David O'Connor. As always, it is a delight and a treat to have you and your talents that you share with us and the world. Um, and speaking of talents that are shared with the world, Nick Maroda, Nick Maroda, Nick Maroda, uh, thank you as well for your many talents. Um, Very much. And thank you for not sharing them with us this week. So. <laughs> oh, that's I, totally. Why do I... <laughs> oh, nice to hang out with my friends. It really is. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> with friends like this, who needs enemas? All right. <laughs> so we are going to play the outro. So if you have any last words to say, uh, think about them. And then we're going to we're gonna do our outro. If I can find my outro in my... Um, I have so Maybe many scenes now. I have so many scenes... Uh, here's my outro. Actually, before uh, I'm going to segue into the outro with a little Nick Marionettes clip here, and then we're going to do our outro, and then I'll be back for final, final, final thoughts. Nick Marionettes on electricity. Crikey! Electricity is a fad. The big market is just open flame. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Marota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco Talk is an unscripted. There we go. Name so nice. We must say it thrice. There's uh, 
Jason and his MC10. And we, we, we just got visited by Jim Brain from Retro Innovations. His parting thoughts were, Like the relief one feels leaving the porcelain throne after a visit to the all-day flaming burrito bar, it's the end of Coco Talk. All right, no truer words have ever been spoken. <laughs> and he says, "Now I'm go- now I'm going to walk back under the bridge." All right, so it's pretty <laughs> He is he is prolific. Uh, if only his products uh, had the same level of quality of his trolling, he might have a career at that. Uh, so <laughs> that's it, guys. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Speaking of burn. Larry, Moog, and Curly. <laughs> All right, I'm going to press the button on the live video stream. Say goodbye, button, live right. video stream. Bye, goodbye, goodbye, live video stream. All right, I'm stopping the stream.